everyone, welcome to Game Face here on Sifted Games at sifted.net. It's been a while, for yep. sure. <laughs> uh, definitely have missed you guys. It's been strange not communicating with the sifters as often as we usually do. I feel like there's been like a weird void in my life for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I haven't had any voids, really. It's been, <laughs> it's been a busy couple of weeks. Yeah, so Matt's been on vacation since like right after E3. He got back last mm -hmm. week. Um, so we couldn't do a show during that period, and we're still in the process of finding a new TriCaster operator. Um, and so this is not obviously streamed live. This is pre-recorded, and we're going to get the episode out to you as quickly as possible. But uh, I think it was kind of good for both of us maybe to get a little bit of a break after E3. As mm -hmm. usual, E3 was pretty intense, and then it was all capped off by my car getting stolen. I think I needed a little bit of a breather there <laughs> at, the, at the end of E3. But we're back, and we're ready to rock. Um, Let's just jump straight into it. The first topic I want to discuss is Sifted. So, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> uh, if you guys watched The Grind, I kind of hinted uh, that there were some pretty big things coming for Sifted. Um, and you should watch The Grind. I don't know why you guys don't watch. They only watch They think game. it's that MTV show where everybody's just dancing. Maybe they think it's like a dance party. Um, but anyway, I mentioned it on The Grind that came out last week to try to supplement the fact that we couldn't do Game Face. Uh, and I want to share those details with you right now. So the big news is, uh, right before I came here to Matt's house to record this episode, I signed a lease for a new studio. So we have a new studio coming. Um, you're probably asking why and how that happened. Well, why and how it happened is that I just yesterday paid off my student loans. Hmm. After 20 plus years, I finally paid off my student loans. And before you ask, no, I'm not angry if everybody else gets their student loans forgiven. Yeah. Totally cool with that. Like, Much like I'm not angry if it costs 20 bucks to buy a gateway computer from 1996 now. Right. <laughs> time marches on yeah. and things improve. Uh, so the money that I was spending on my student loans, I have decided to just, that money I've, I was already outlaying for the last 20 years, I decided I haven't missed it. So I'm just going to take that money that I was putting towards my student loans and put it towards a studio. Now, the truth is we're going into the red again. So I'm going back to losing money. But we've kind of reached an inflection point with Sifted where it's like crap or get off the pot. Uh, we, I need to figure out if this is going to work or not. Uh, and I just don't feel like we're going to be able to do that if we did not have a studio and our production values weren't a little bit better. So uh, basically what I've done is I have invested a bunch of money in another year of sifted so uh, the lease is for a year it ends basically right after next e3 ends and if we get to that point and we're not seeing upward trajectory upward momentum then that's going to be it so i've decided to make yet another sacrifice for sifted um, not only that i'm also going to invest in some money into the site so uh, we are talking to brent right now about making some changes and updates to the website Nothing drastic. We're not going to completely redesign the site. We're just looking for features and options that maybe you guys, now that you've used the site for a long time, would like to have. There is a thread in our forums right now asking you guys for suggestions. I honestly already have a list that's like this long. Uh, so I'd be surprised if any of you guys suggest something that I haven't already figured out, but there's strength in numbers. And so I'm asking you guys if there's features or issues or other things you don't like about sifted.net, let us know. We're going to try to get as many changes made as possible. So. I guess the best way I could describe it is I'm going for broke. And I hope that's not literal. Hmm. I hope it's just figurative. Um, but I, I just feel like if 
I'm going to take five years of my life, more, more than five years, but I'm going to dedicate five years of my life and money to something. I want to make sure I gave it every opportunity to succeed before I move on. And that's what this is. So the clock is ticking starting today. We have one year to try to get this site, our Patreon, our revenue up to a place where we can actually grow. Instead Reset of, the clock. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right now we're just treading water and we have been treading water, which means that um, if money goes down, I lose money. If it goes up, then I'm like 50 bucks. Oh, you can't grow a business that way. Uh, we need extra revenue so we can hire people and we can get people to do other stuff and we can expand our content off. We need money. So this is it. This is basically the mandate. We have 12 months to get sifted into a better place. If that doesn't happen, and I know I've said this before, and I know I don't hmm. want to be the guy that's crying wolf, but this is literally it. So we have one year. Um, if by the end of E3 in 2020, and it should be great because all the consoles are going to be announced. If we can't make yeah. it happen with that stuff, it's just not going to happen. So I've invested money back into the site again. I've invested money uh, back into our production values again. Our Patreon, and this is terrible timing, our Patreon is like an all-time low right now. It was really hard to sign my name on that. But I believe in it. I believe in our content. I believe in the website. Um, so we've got one more year, folks. Let's try to make it happen. Um, as far as how Game Face is going to work, uh, we're doing this show right now. I'm going to try to get this out to you here tomorrow because this all has to be cut, by the way, because we're doing this offline. Mm -hmm. um, and then the idea is the week after next to have our first show in our new studio. The show next week would also be a pre-recorded episode unless I somehow grow four extra arms and I can operate the TriCaster while I discuss games with Matt. Probably not going to happen. Um, so anyway, that's the update. It's a huge update. It's a huge risk for me. I know it. You guys don't have to tell me that. I know it going into it. When I signed my name today, I knew what I was signing up for. So if it doesn't work out, it's not your fault. I'm not going to place blame on anyone or anything like that. But it's just reached a point where it's got to happen. So we've that's been, what... We've been on the couch long enough. We have. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's, it would just be good to be in a studio anyway. Yeah. Um, I think you guys are going to be really excited about the new studio. Uh, Game Face is going to be changing, and I'm not going to tell you how it's going to change until you see that first episode, uh, but be ready. It's going to be different. Uh, everything's going to look different. It's going to sound different. Uh, I think you guys should be pretty excited for it, but... We're going to suck helium the entire time. <laughs> but that is about two weeks away, so the new studio show won't be for two weeks. Um, I'm actually leaving town on Thursday morning to go to a wedding on the East Coast, uh, the daughter of my sister who passed away a couple years ago is getting married and she has no parents left. So I'm going back for her wedding. So I'll be out from Thursday until Monday, which means our next episode will probably be later in the week next week. And then after that, we'll be in the studio. So I just want to take this moment to thank everybody who's been along for this ride all along. You guys are freaking amazing. Without you guys, we wouldn't have made it this long. Uh, but really, for us to survive and thrive, we need new folks, and that's going to be the big, uh, the big goal for the next 12 mm -hmm. months. And with that, let's get on with the show proper. We're going to kick things off with a game that at a certain point I wondered if it would ever even come out, but it has done that and then some, and that is Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, Iga's kickstarted spiritual successor to Castlevania. Mm -hmm. um, I have basically finished it. I'm still stuck on the last boss. Hmm. I haven't fought him for a couple days, but, <laughs> but I got stuck, and then I went back and farmed to try to level up to make the last battle easier, and I have not tried to battle again since I've done that, but I've basically finished the game. Matt, how much have you played so far? I'm like three bosses in. Oh, like, okay. I, like, I, I, uh, told, like I told you when you got here, like I, because um, I haven't seen Chain since 
the last episode we did. Yeah, since our um, best of E3. Yeah, yeah. and um, like I said, like yesterday I sat down to play some of the stuff that we're talking about today, and that's the first time I played anything in a week. Yeah. And then before that, I was up in San Francisco, and the only reason I played anything while I was there is because there's a PlayStation 4 in the guest room at my mom's house. Um, is that yours? Did you put that there? Yes, I put a, I put one there so I would have something to play nice. when I was there. Smart. Um, but it's not a pro. It's very disappointing. <laughs> You're slumming but, it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just, I, you know, remember we talked about the video game addiction thing, and yeah, I'm like, yeah. I don't think I'm addicted. I don't think I'm addicted. Yeah. Like, I, I just, there's too much to do otherwise. Yeah. But I played a bit of every th- of most of the stuff we're talking about today, so I've played a little bit of Bloodstained, probably like an hour. Okay. Uh, although I did play it on two separate systems. Uh, the Xbox One when it launched, because I was a big impatient gorilla about it, and then I got my code for the PlayStation 4, because the PlayStation 4 codes from the Kickstarter didn't get to the backers until almost a f- over a full day after it really? came out. Like people who bought the game, the, like pre-ordered it an hour before it came out, played it before the people who backed it up for PS4. Whoa, that's so- bad business. Because Sony, for in the US, because Sony America was just super slow to get them the codes. And they've done that before, actually, to other, to other uh, for other code, uh, the Kickstarter code things. Um, so that's purely Sony America. It's not, uh, it's not, Ega or any of those, any of the people made the game. People were like, "Oh, why didn't you submit earlier?" Like they submitted everything at the same time, and Sony in Japan and Sony Europe got them the codes just fine. It's Sony America. Like yeah. Sony doesn't give a shit. Um, but I did. So it, I was interested because in the you know the, the very beginning level, like you're on the boat, uh, and it's in a rainstorm and stuff. On the PlayStation Four. There's a lot there unless they patched this in on the on the Xbox. They one have issued there. like three. They've patches done a few patches, already. but I, so I haven't seen it since then. But when I played it the night it came out on the Xbox One, there were no rain effects on the on the boat. It was just like it was moving, and there was a, like a sound effects and rain in the background. But then you play it on the PS4, and it's just the it's just pouring rain what? on the boat. And, you know, you can see That's rain crazy. running down the sides of the yeah. boat. And it's, it's almost like distracting. Uh-huh. And it was not there when I played the Xbox weird. One version the, the night it launched. So I don't know if they fixed that since then, because there was a lot of weird patch. And the one patch like opened all the chests that you needed to open to progress. So like. If you played uh, if you played a save before version 1.02, I think it was, um, you couldn't finish the game. You had to start over because the, oh the patch the patch opened all the unopened chests in the game, which include which meant you got nothing out of them, which included you know the essential, essential items to quest upgrade items. your character. Yeah, yeah. So you if you well, if it's you, like Metroid. So you get right. abilities, and then you have to use that ability right. to open up a new section. Metroidvania. Of the, yeah. You know, which I've been, been very amused at some of the hot takes in the media. Saying <laughs> like, Can we stop saying Metroidvania? It's like, no, Jeremy Parrish coined that term 20 goddamn years ago, and you are too late. Yeah. It means what it means now. Yeah. You're done. Step down. <laughs> if you want to fight like a stupid game terminology thing, go prevent people from calling them schluters. Yeah. How about that? Make yeah. yourself useful. <laughs> I don't know. I've been, I've been tangent, but I've been a little... Shocked by some of the, I must be slow. You can tell some are slowing down because some of the some the of the articles takes. are like like there was an article on Polygon about how the, the King Kong yeah, game Peter that launched Kong. with the 360 was a secret masterpiece. I'm like, the most, what are you yeah, talking about? The most about? innovative game of that generation. <laughs> you can tell it's that there's nothing going on right now. The hot takes that, are that is the video game equivalent of the color gray. Yeah. Like there there was nothing of use in that game except it was the easiest thousand until that Avatar game showed up right. and you could you could get the thousand points in like five seconds. That's the only thing I remember the game for. Yeah, people played to get all changes. the gamer points and yeah. achievements like that. Yeah. Um yeah. Blew my mind. I was like, wow. Yeah. 
I don't so, know. I don't know. But um. But you haven't played a ton of Bloodstained. I played a ton. I played uh, you know the opening section and like the first part where the first few couple of sections I fought like the couple bosses, one of the big guys, one of the the human guy. You know, not human, but he's like the the. You look like Dante. Yeah, I don't remember. I, I, I haven't quite pieced together who's the equivalent of which Castlevania character in this game. Right. Yet, but like, <laughs> you can kind of see it's like okay, that's the guy's Alucard, and this guy is this guy. Yeah, it's like, but um, I'm real happy with it. I mean, I just I just. It's not like I haven't played it because I don't want to play it. I haven't played it because I don't have time. Yeah. Um, it's just, I think it's great. I mean, I love those games. I love Ega's uh, Castlevania games. Uh, that's why I backed this thing for like 125 bucks. Yeah. Um, what did you get with that other than the I got game? a physical copy, digital copy, like an art book that's supposed to show up later, a bunch of DLC stuff. Um, it's not, you know, it's not, yeah, the, the, it is a first. Uh, the physical copy actually came in a like a shipping pa- box that actually has the game's logo on it. Oh, wow. Like the actual logo, which is, a, I guess, would be a bad thing if people knew what it was more than just like, oh, that's a that's thing That's mine. Steal. <laughs> yeah. But um, that was, that was nice interesting. Nice touch. Yeah. But, um, you know, I love these the, that kind of game. I miss them. And, uh, you know, I know there's games like Hollow Knight and that it's a various, it's various iterations of it, but nothing's quite like the, the, the original made by the original. And um, That is what has struck me the most with yeah. this game. And it, Honestly, it, it also, like he's the godfather he of that genre. And it also, like, it. it also drives home. It's like this is the first one of these on a console since Sh- Symphony of the Night. Yeah, he never got to make another console one. Yeah, I know. And it's that's he was crazy just stuck on handhelds because you can so see long. like this. Even early on, I'm like, oh, this game has every idea that Konami ever shot down. Pretty that much, he ever wanted yeah. to put in these things. You know, visible equipment changes. Yep. Uh, a whole cooking system, like the upgrade systems are crazy and, and varied and deep. deep. And every, yeah. you know, every, enemies can drop like this item or they can drop food items or they can drop crafting items or they can drop the, obviously the crystals, the shards that give you the upgrades. And you can upgrade, the, you get more, multiple shards and multiple shards of an ability makes the ability strong, but you can also consume the shards to upgrade the abilities in a different way. And then you have to reconsider. I'm just like, oh yeah, you, you, you. It's insane. It was, it's. <laughs> It just keeps going and going and going and going. Yeah, there's many layers to the, and, um, the depth. I think it looks really good. Um, it feels good to play. All the weapons have a very different feel. Um, there are so tons of different weapons. Many. Wait till you get towards the end of the game. Like the whip doesn't feel anything like Castlevania. I don't even enough. use the whip. I used the whip when I got it to check it out, and yeah. I used it in like one boss fight, and I never used it. Yeah, again. I didn't. I didn't like the whip very much. Yeah, really. you're I, right. It does this weird kind of like. It's too low. It, yeah. it goes lower than I expect it to. Usually. It doesn't do that like whack. Yeah. that goes straight out. Yeah, I've uh, mostly been sticking to long swords, and um, that's what I use yeah. pretty much the whole game. Long swords and uh, claymores are yep. kind of my my go tos right yeah, now. Yeah, because a lot, and you'll probably end up using it through the whole game because the other part of it too is that eventually they. Uh, weapons become available in the store to buy or to craft. Yeah. And uh, the long sword. I've already crafted a couple of them. Cause, yeah. Because like what I was finding was not good enough for what I wanted to do. But what you'll find eventually is that the long swords that they offer that you can craft and you can buy and you can actually afford and can mm-hmm. and can craft with what they give you, they are the most dominant weapons in the game and they feature huge jumps. Mm. So like you'll get like you can get a long sword early in the game that's like 20 points higher than the other weapon. And then you use that, and then you get to the point where all the weapons have kind of caught up as far as level, and then there's another one mm. that's like 20 or 30 levels higher yeah, than anything really else. really trying to reward you for playing with a crafting system. Basically. Yeah, and it's also good too because they help you have some distance between enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can't take many hits in this and you, until before you die. So you really have to be cautious. Uh, later on, not so much. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I found it pretty easy so far. It um, is pretty easy. I said on the uh, grind that it was probably the easiest Castlevania game I've ever played. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's easier than Portrait of Ruin. Um, but Portrait of Ruin is a whole different beast uh, in a lot of ways because of the character switching thing. Right. But, um, I mean, I feel it, it feels right. I, you can tell it's by Iga. Um, tons of depth to the, to the, the inventory and, and crafting and all that. Um, I like that the, bo- like the, the big monster bosses, don't f- it's not, fighting them doesn't feel like fighting the, the human bosses, like, the, like the, that first uh, hunter guy you run into. Um, like I had to learn how to fight him. Like yeah. I, had to, I had to learn how to kind of utilize some of the, boss, the, some are the dodges easy. and some things. And like, I, just, I, I liked that it didn't feel like fighting one of the big you know, monster Baldus guys. Baldus so creatures, like, yeah. Uh, I, I feel like... They're very nimble. Yeah, because I feel like that's a thing that um, Symphony of the Night like, always kind of that struggled with a bit, which like all the boss fi- bosses were just like fighting a big thing that, you know, had a lot of hit points. And I felt like it, you know, a fight with, a, with another human with a weapon like feels like a duel between two characters, whereas yeah. a fight with a giant monster feels like a totally different kind of boss fight, which is a, is a really cool distinction to, to make in terms of the game design. So I, I like, yeah, I can't, can't speak with tons of uh, authoritativeness because I've only played like an hour and a half of the thing, but like it's a really good first impression. Let's put it that way. The other thing that's cool about the human bosses is when you fight them, they will basically use all the stuff that became available to you up mm. to that point. And so you may have got a shard with a new ability that you haven't tried or maybe you looked at it and were like, oh, that doesn't seem like it would be all that effective. When you fight that boss, you can see what can be done with those. And I, several times, like either I'd start using that in the boss fight, hmm. or as soon as the boss fight was over, I would equip that shard that was used against me in that fight because I could see what it could do. Um, so yeah, the boss fights in this game are great. The one thing I will say, and this is just a personal gripe of mine, and not just with this game, but with a lot of games, is I hate games where you cannot tell how close the boss is to dying. Hmm. It can be very frustrating because it's like when you can see that health bar, like when there's just like a couple pixels left, you, you, you have this gopher broke moment where you're like, he's almost dead. You know what? I'm not going to be conservative anymore. I'm just going to unload. And you can't do that in this game. You have to be very careful until that yeah. last little speck of health is gone. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do tend to prefer health bars on bosses or like, you know, make them flash or whatever. Yeah. But like not in this. Like this, that's a tradition. Like the tradition of the of the Egovania is like I don't know how about and like suddenly the screen freezes. You get that level up ring thing and like, and you and get like that oh, feeling that co- comes over your whole it. body. Yeah. So like <laughs> and you're right. There are pros to that yeah. that approach. But I think if you as you keep playing this, some of the bosses in this game are really hard. And you believe me, there's gonna be a couple points where you're like, damn it! Like if I mm-hmm. wish I knew how much was left. Like it's a little frustrating, but. I actually, I actually love this game. Uh, right now, it is my indie game of the year in a landslide. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love everything about it. It'd be um, very hard to top this one. Yeah, I mean, I've, I now have almost 30 hours into this game. And it's, I think, a $39.99 game. Mm-hmm. So great value. There's a game plus that happens afterwards. When you finish the game, like there are dozens and dozens of weapons and stuff still to unlock to go back and play the game plus with. So there's motivation to go back and play more. Uh, the story is good, shockingly, and yeah. it's not really rote. Like it's not just a typical Castlevania plot. Yeah, there's a, there's a little bit of like feeling where it's like okay, so you, this is the thing in Castlevania. 
you got to come up with another reason for someone to go into a magic castle and kill a, a very dapper man. <laughs> and he and, does. And they do. They, they, they come up with it. It works. It's it not works. great, but it's not terrible. Although when you think about it, you probably could have just used Dracula because he is public domain. Right. Yeah. But, He's free, 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 free to play, I guess. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. But uh, I think what strikes me the most about this is how you can play it however you want. So I hardly ever use range stuff, guns, mm. anything yeah, like that. Yeah, there's a whole range just I just haven't even touched that. I'm not used there's to, I'm not used to and doing it. Yeah. And so I never touched it. And then I fought a boss where getting up close was like a huge mistake. And I went back and started using like some of the projectile stuff. And I was like, oh my God, it's like wrecking. And like I was getting criticals like over and over. So I saved, went back to home base. And then I, like you were saying earlier, I pumped a bunch of shards into that ability, went back mm -hmm. and fought him. And it was just wrecking shop. Like... You can play this however you want. And that's something I also appreciate about it. And it's also very well handled. Um, there are some stuff that's unbalanced. Like there's one shard that you get that uh, is basically a shield that goes around you. Yeah, that one, I've, everyone I know who's played it has been like, dude, the thing, it's, it's God mode. It's called it? like Welcome Home or something yeah. like that. And you can keep leveling it up. So basically it's this circle of books that swirls around you. And not only do they protect you from incoming damage, it does damage on enemies. Hmm. And as you upgrade it, more and more books join the force field around you. I mean, I actually... Finally, that English major pays off. <laughs> I actually beat a boss one time without using a weapon. Just jumping mm. over him, over him, over him while the books were swirling around me and just criticaling him, like, every time. Crick, mm. crick, crick, crick. That's, you can play this game however you want. I love it. I, my expectations for this game were real low. After the delays and, like, the footage that had come out, it looked kind of janky and... It's great. Yeah. I never doubted Ego. Man makes good stuff. You're right. It was a mistake probably to doubt him. But when you start getting mixed in with all the Kickstarter stuff, and we saw what happened with Inafune. Yeah, but Inafune was never a designer. Inafune was an yeah. executive. Yeah. Ego made this stuff. Right. Um, I mean, you want to see a Kickstarter screw up, go watch more Star Citizen footage. Yeah. There's a new guy, I can't remember, some Latvian, uh, some Latvian guy on YouTube, and he usually does Elite Dangerous stuff, but his friend convinced him to come, uh, come with him and play Star Citizen for, and it's a video, and it's just, every, it's just them trying to get in a spaceship, and for the first like 15 minutes of the video, it's just them running to the spaceship over and over. It's edited, so you're not sitting through all of it. Right. But they're, they're, they're still running into the problem where if you try to crawl down stairs, you, you die. And then they kept getting, they kept getting in the elevator. It lifts you into the ship, and they lift them up, and they both die. Like you just randomly die when you when you ride elevators into the ships. And then he got finally got into the ship, and he gets into the into the the gunner turret, and like the the arms like wrap around the character's head, and like it's just complete nonsense. And like, you know, I, I know there's a whole contingent of just like, oh, lots of games take seven or eight years to make. Yeah, not many actually, and usually they look better than that after seven or eight years. Yeah. Um, so I, I think Bloodstained is... Uh, is it the gold standard for Kickstarter now? Um, I think it may be. I mean, in terms of delivering... I, in terms of delivering, like, I want this experience of this classic game I loved, again, from the original maker, I would argue that no other Kickstarter game has delivered like this one has. Yeah. I mean, maybe Shenmue will, but... See. The question <laughs> of whether that's a good thing or not right, is right. sort of in the air. Right. Yeah, it's that's like, a good point. Yes, it's you, like are... you may give people what they want, right. but is that good? Right. It's like because, <laughs> like I've said, I think I've said before, like if you treat Shenmue Three as a modern remaster of a game that came out in two thousand four, 
Like, I think that makes more sense yeah. in terms of what go- we're getting. You're moving the goalposts a little bit, but... Like, um, I mean, they are just making Shenmue again. Yeah. Like, they're not, you know, they're not making a modern... Take on take it. Take on yeah. Shenmue. They are making Shenmue Another 3 Shenmue. as though nothing ever happened. As if... Basically. I mean, yeah. I mean, really. Like, <laughs> as if the last 20 years never existed. Pretty much. Also, like, by the way, 20th anniversary of Dreamcast. Yeah. Pretty Coming amazing. Up. It's hard to believe it's been 20 years. I still remember every minute of the day I picked up that console. Yeah, well, I got... The whole day. I remember getting up, being so excited, going to Software Etc. in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. hanging out with like 80 people in line. It seemed like it was going to be the biggest thing ever. We, uh, well, I already had one when it came you out had the here. Japanese one. Because I had the Japanese yeah. one from a year ago, a year before. But I obviously wanted a, a U.S. one because that one could go online. Um... And I remember I, we would go down to a, a mall down in, uh, it was called Valco, near, uh, near uh, San Jose, because they had an EB and a GameStop. It may have been a Software Etc. at the time, or yeah. a Babbage's, but it was, they, had, they had three game stores. They had, the, they had a Software Etc. or an EB, they had a, they had a Babbage's or a GameStop, that, and they had an independent store that was not a chain called Digital Stuff. Uh-huh. Um, actually, there were two Catchy of them. Catchy name. There, were, there was two of them. <laughs> there was one there, there was one in Hillsdale. The one in Hillsdale closed, the one in Valco was still open. Digital Stuff was like this scrappy, like, they, had, they would sell the stuff that, that like, no one else would. That was where you could get mod chips. Uh-huh. It was where, you know, they, were, they were the gray market place. Yeah. So we go down, because like, this was a period, I don't know if you had this when, in that era in Philadelphia or anything, but there was a period where we were, all of us, everyone I knew who played games, like, we, we refused to pre-order stuff. Like, pre-ordering was for suckers. Pre-ordering I mean, I was, definitely pre-ordered the Dreamcast. I, we didn't. I pre- remember walking pre- in with my receipt. Pre-ordering was for suckers. Pre-ordering was just giving them money to be, invest with before they gave us anything back. Which is and true. we're like, no, like, we're going to fight the man and like find <laughs> it on launch day, whether it kills us or not. And um, for every, we did that for everything. Wow. And um, actually, like it, sometimes finding that stuff was more fun than playing it. Yeah, yeah. But, um, so the day of, of the Dreamcast launch, we're like, all right, let's go. We go down to Valco. There's all these people in line for, it's like 11 in the morning, 10 in the morning. There's all these people in line at the, at the software set of GameStop, whatever it was, EB, like for that. And then upstairs at the Babbage's, there's people in line like, hoping that they're going to get these Dreamcast. Shipment's not in. Da, da, da. So we walked down to Digital Stuff, which was down to the other end of the mall which was like not as heavily trafficked, which is probably why they could afford it because it probably was cheaper on that end of the mall. Yeah. We go down, we go down, we go in, we go in and see the guys like, oh, hey, it's like, you got any Dreamcast? He's like, yeah, we got two. We're like, I was with my, fr- I was with my friend Andrew, <laughs> you, who you yeah, know back Andrew. then. We're like, oh, we'll take them. We, we took them. We bought them. No problem. We, we got, got really lucky. And we, put, we, we just walked out, right, direct, we intentionally walked past the people in line. <laughs> it was like, like where did you get that? Oh, last two. Yeah. Sorry. See you later. Like, yeah, that's great. And, uh, and we get in, and we. I remember. I think Andrew said something. He says, he's, "He's like they'd be even more pissed if they knew you already have one." Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but I can't play NFL 2K on it. Right. Now I can. Yeah. So that was the game that was like the most mind blowing. Oh yeah. Like as far as like seeing it, and being not like, even oh. I don't, not even liking football, right. but just like look seeing it on display. And like, That's a yeah. I remember. Can look that. Good. I remember the day I came home, all my friends came over to our apartment, and I was already living with my. To eventually to be wife at that point in Philadelphia in an apartment, and all in my buddies, sin. All, yeah, all my exactly, <laughs> all my buddies came over, and we were all sitting in the living room playing, and Michelle walked by, and she goes, "Is or I didn't think they were playing," mm. and I was like, "What are you talking about?" And she's like, "I thought 
Because it was like, what date was it? A Thursday or something? Uh, I don't know, September 9th, 99. Yeah. I can't remember what day, but it wasn't like a day that football should be on. I think it was, it was either Tuesday or Wednesday. And, and she was like, why is football on the TV? Mm. And I was like, that's my Dreamcast I just got. And she was like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> even she was like blown away by it. So it definitely made an imp- I thought the Dreamcast was going to be a runaway success because launch day for me was insane. Like, everywhere I went, there was just lines. Like, it just looked like it was going to be a phenomenon. Mm. And I brought it home, and everybody saw And then all my friends went and bought one. Like, I just, and nope. Nope. <laughs> didn't work. That was a time when if you didn't have EA, you, were you didn't have crap. a mass audience. You're right. That was the end of it. It's true. It happened in the N64 Very different well. now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's a lot of things very different 20 years later yep. from the way it was back then. But uh, but anyway, I think both of us whole, wholeheartedly recommend Bloodstained. Oh, yeah. It's a budget title, but you're gonna get literally like 30 hours out of it. Out of it, your first. The only, run. the only downside for me is it makes me sad to think like what this, you know, what Ega's work could have been if they'd let him make like PlayStation 2 games. Yeah, yeah, you know? it's true. Instead of like forcing him to make stuff like Lament of Innocence and all that crap. Yeah, I know. I know. Those, I mean, I don't think those games are you know like Lament of Innocence and Curse of Darkness are not actually terrible. Not in the way that Castlevania 64 is, and Castlevania 64 is terrible. I don't, I don't care what this weird renaissance of people who were 10 when that game came out. It's like, oh, it's really good. No, it's terrible. It's fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah. game was always terrible and still terrible. Yeah, did but they like, re-release it, too, eventually? Like, they put out, well, they like put a out Legacy of Darkness. It was called Legacy of Darkness. It was, a, yeah. it was a revamp, and you could play the werewolf guy. Right, they right. added that and stuff, yeah. which was marginally better, but still terrible. But I mean, that was also supposed to be in the original release. Yes. Yeah, it was mostly cut content. It was, yeah, stuff it was that like, couldn't get done yeah. in time, because that game was delayed over oh, yeah. and over and over. Um, There's a lot of N64 stuff. Like, you know, Body Harvest was like that, too. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, uh, like Length of Innocence and Curse of Darkness, I don't hate them, but I sure wish they'd let them just do 2D. You know, because there was a period in that generation, especially PlayStation 2, where they were like, no, no 2D games, no yeah. 2D. Games. In fact, I can't remember where I found it, but I found somewhere online it was a, uh, it was like a little screenshot, a little shot of um, of a little sidebar thing from Nintendo Power, and they were comparing Castlevania 64 to Zelda. To no, to Symphony of the Night. Oh, because they were both about to come out at the same. Nintendo Power Magazine pumped up Castlevania and 64. I, it, it was it was all like check out this you know the, the PlayStation Castlevania using old 2D ver- graphics and and stupid sprites like now look the at Castlevania this. 64 has full 3D yeah. and it's just like yeah that didn't make it better. Wait, wait for it. <laughs> wait, wait wait around a bit. Um, but I re- you know, it's it's really cool to see like kind of this style of game done by the original Ega team. OG, and, yeah. You know, with the music from Kojima and mu- you know, it, like in the art by Ayana Kojima. I mean, it's they they gathered the all stars. They gathered everybody who made Symphony of the Night great, and they just did it again. Yeah, it's great. It's really really awesome. It is, and oddly enough, even though it is clearly a two D Metroidvania, uh, it is it does feel like a game made this year, unlike Shenmue. Yeah, you know, it, it feels it, they didn't ignore the years that have passed yeah, since then, sure. and they made something special. So. Yeah, go get it, guys. It's I would, real good. I would assume everyone watching this already has it. Yeah, actually. probably. Yeah. I don't know. If you if you don't already have it, I don't know what you're waiting for. I mean, I was like, skeptical about it, mm. but that's why we're here. We're here to tell people go buy it, and you should buy it right yeah. now. It's slow anyway. Uh, there aren't a ton of big games coming out. Well, that's kind of also what I mean. Is like you know. Press on it has been very positive. Reception has been positive. It's been a couple of weeks. Uh, it's very quiet right now in the release department. So uh, why aren't you playing this? You should be. Get on with it. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Harry Potter Wizards Unite. There's a there's a depth change. Briefly. Yeah. <laughs> 
it is kind of the next big mobile phenomenon, although... But not as big as they thought it was yeah. going to be. Have you played it? I made an account, and I captured, like, Hagrid, and I turned it off. I, like, <laughs> I couldn't go. I was stuck stuck somewhere. I couldn't go anywhere. So I'm like, oh, I can't do anything else. I managed, like, as soon I as I never put opened it, it again. in my apartment to capture, like, eight things, like, right there on my couch. I got nothing. I, my, my mom lives nowhere, so. Uh, or, or, or she's, like, up, like, a, a more uh, rural road, you, you could say, and so there's nothing near. If I wanted to catch anything, I would have had to go, like, a mile down the road to the 7-Eleven. But I'll say this. Where all the real magic happens. <laughs> I'll say this, though. When I, uh, when I got to the point where it was like, okay, now you have to go outside, I stopped playing. Yeah, I'll go outside for Pokemon. I won't go out for I didn't for even Wizards. really do it for Pokemon. I did. I, I did I it went a few out for times. Like we, you know, my girlfriend and I went out, we went out to, the, to Santa Monica, the pier, and to capture water Pokemon, and we go like different places. I did that we, once. It was, uh, you know, it, it really did get people, you know, going to the park, uh, you know, in uh, La Brea Tarpets, there were hundreds of people walking no, around. No, it was insane. There were people, in LA, it was insane. There were people live streaming from laptops using satellite internet. It was crazy. There was I had never seen anything like that. There's a little burger joint around the corner from where we live, and for whatever reason, they got lucky and became mm. a hot spot. And like I would drive by this hamburger place, never had people there. Mm. Like it's just really old, and like hardly anyone eats there. And for months, just crowds in crowd. Like we went <laughs> in there, and we were like, "Man, you got lucky." He's like, "Oh, I hit the gold mine." <laughs> He's like, "I have no idea how this happened." He's like, "But as soon as I realized it did." I put a big sign in the window, and he's like, it has just been crowds. Somebody, ever since. somebody on the dev team liked that, like going there. Fact, probably. Um, it probably did. Or you can also, like, you could, for a long, because, like, most of the Pokestops were just carried over from uh, the, Ingress, no, the right? nodes from Ingress. And yeah. Ingress was, was largely community focused in terms right. of what should be, you know, nodes. So either the dev team person or someone who played a lot lived near there and liked that place and submitted it, and that's how that happens. Yeah, to me, this You could game, almost overlay the Pokemon Go launch map with Ingress, and it would match up. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, with this game, though, this is not happening. No. I have not seen anyone out looking for whatever crap is in no. Harry Potter. I haven't seen anyone talking about it. I don't know anyone. No one's asked me about it. I mean, the, the day it came out, the downloads were gigantic. Like, yeah. it, it did. Like, a lot of people have it on their devices, but it's just not. Yeah, I have it on mine. I have it, too. I, I think the problem, though, Let's is open that... open it. Let's see what's in there. Pokemon was, like, custom-built for that idea. Yeah, Pokemon was very collecting. obvious. Yeah. It, the catch line is, gotta catch them all. Un until Sword and Shield, in which apparently it's gotta catch some of them. Right. <laughs> Maybe not all. Maybe, Maybe not all eventually of all of them. Maybe eventually, but right now, just... <laughs> just catch some of them. A select number. <laughs> just catch a few. A select, a select Pokemon assortment. Yeah. So I think intrinsically... A pasters assortment. <laughs> I think intrinsically, Pokemon was a better choice for that de that design of a game yeah. than it is for Harry Potter. And, I mean, the truth is, if you really look at it, though, probably Harry Potter is a bigger franchise worldwide as far as, like, how many people are aware of it, how many people like it. I don't know about that. It's close, probably. It's, it's up there, yeah. Um, but I mean, it doesn't always translate Harry into more successful Harry Potter games. translates into better movies in the end in terms of box office. Yeah. Uh, Pactor kind of touched on this on the episode of Pactor Factor that went up yesterday because someone was asking him why... Yeah, see, there's nothing here. Yeah. There's nothing around us. Yeah, it's us. empty. You're right. That's weird. Like, we could go to the 7-Eleven. We could go to the Starbucks there. We could go down to the Tar Pits, but... That's about it. It's yeah. empty. This neighborhood is very non-magical. Yeah, my, my neighborhood apparently is magical. So, Yeah. 
But Harry Potter doesn't have a collecting aspect to it at all. It's just mm. not a part of the IP. And Pactor, someone asked him, why is a game like Cyberpunk 2077 tracking so much better than something like uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order? At, when Star Wars, you would think, is a much bigger IP because Cyberpunk never existed until, like, at least to gamers, it never existed until a few years ago. And Pactor was just like, because certain things are bigger in certain mediums. Than the, mm. And Star Wars is bigger as a movie franchise, but it's not bigger as a games franchise. And they need part out, because it's been dormant for 10 years. Right, right. And in part because it's EA. Yeah. And so the core, the core gaming population is not all as excited about something from EA, no matter how good or bad it may be. But the um, point is, you can't just look at an IP and say, that's gigantic, also, and this if, isn't quite as big, so Also, this if you made better. a Star Wars game in which you had a big open world where you could... I mean, if you made a Cyberpunk... Like Cyberpunk 27, except it was Star Wars, it would be that big. It would be. You're right. I mean, a lot of people are looking at Fallen Order and just seeing another another Hack Force Unleashed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I don't think that's correct, but I can see why you'd look at that, and that would be your perception. Yeah. So, I mean... People forget, it's like, you know, you can put out a half an hour of gameplay, but most people see about 30 to 40 seconds of it and make their decision. Yeah. So. The other thing, too, is Harry Potter doesn't really have a USP. There's no unique selling proposition. It's mm -hmm. a Pokemon Go clone. Yeah. That's it. It's like you can't... It's really not very tailored to what you'd want out of Harry Potter. I mean, look, the thing that Harry Potter fans that I know, which are you know, all people in their mid-20s, yeah. grew up with it, the thing they're excited about is that, that action RPG that leaked. Yeah. For next right. gen. Yep. You know, that's the yeah, thing everybody's sure. looking forward to. Yep. I Nobody even like... knew what it was. I mean, we were walk they had the, the logo for Wizards Unite on on the side of the booth at E3 at, at Warner Brothers. And I people walking by and like, what the hell is that? Like, yeah. no one knew what it was. And there was no reason to know what it was because there were logos, but there was nothing showing it or explaining what it was. Like, there, it, it was almost incidental. And, like, it, it looks like, you know, there was just no hook to it. Everyone wanted to play this new Harry Potter game, but, like, then once they're like, oh, it's... It's Pokemon Go, except I'm collecting broomsticks people? and yeah. people. Like what? <laughs> what? Like, yeah, it just it doesn't work the same. One thing I will say is I do like the mechanics better in Harry Potter. Yeah, it does feel like a more. It feels less, uh, I guess, thin. Yeah, instead of just Pokemon Go, still has a feeling of sort of instability right. inherent yeah. to it that this does not have. Yeah, like when you capture stuff in Harry Potter, like you draw something on the screen with your finger. And you don't just have to draw it, it's how fast you draw it and how accurately you mm -hmm. draw it. So if you can draw really fast and accurate, you can catch like every time. Mm. Whereas Pokemon Go, it was like, I tossed the Pokeball, it seemed like it was completely erratic whether it actually went where I, how you were holding your phone made a difference. And like, I just like the capture mechanics better, but the rest of it works way better with Pokemon. Yeah, the capture stuff in this does feel a little more dependable, although part of Pokemon is sort of that random element. Yeah, so. that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know. I, I doubt I'll... If you hadn't talked about it here, I don't know if I ever would have opened that app again. I won't open it again. I'm done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, it's free. Yeah. And, we and I will lose say this. Anything. It does seem a little more generous than Pokemon Go was at first. I don't know what it's like now because I haven't played it in like a year and a half or whatever. But, like, I had not run out of, like, chances to capture stuff yet. Mm -hmm. Which is why I stopped playing Pokemon Go. I ran out of Pokeballs, and they're like, hey, go over here. I'm like, I'm not going over there to get Pokeballs. Yeah. I'm not doing it. So, I have, I don't remember, I mean, I've opened Pokemon Go a couple of times the last year, so I, I have hundreds of Pokeballs. I have, not, actually, I don't have hundreds of Pokeballs. I have hundreds of, like, whatever, like, the two steps up ball are. I have tons of Master Balls or whatever. Ultra Ball. 
Ultra balls. I think it like is. So, yeah. I, I, have, I have a lot of the, the upgraded ball. I don't know why. I have none. Part of it's from friends. And I haven't gifts. played it since. When I ran I out, I have friends I who done. play it all the time and send me gifts all the time. So I open uh, it up and I've got all these. I'm like, oh, look at all the Pokeball. Oh, your inventory's full. You want to buy more inventory space? I'm like, okay, but how did this become this? <laughs> Buying inventory space. I've never heard of that before in a game. Paying for inventory space. You haven't? Uh uh-uh. uh. Dude, you need to play more Diablo clones. Yeah, I don't. And MMOs. <laughs> really? And that's, that's super common. Really? That's like one of the quickest and easiest ways you get someone on those games. Wow. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, buying bag space, buying... Uh, I've never been, oh. I've never played a game that asked me to do that. I can't count how many I've huh. played like that. But it oh, shows yeah. you those are genres that I don't typically yeah. play. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, that's that's usually like games where you have, you know, either the, the kind of the online games where like you can play for free or you can subscribe. Yeah. Extra inventory space is one of the key bonuses for subscribing you know what league of legends does have something like that you oh yeah you, yeah if you play for free i didn't even know that had an inventory yeah well it's not it's loadouts basically oh uh, okay yeah. so if you don't pay you only get three i think yeah that's a similar thing yeah, yeah. and then if you pay you can pay for extra ones which helps you be more versatile to play against mm-hmm. unexpected no everything opponents. everything's got that even uh, hell even games that like don't have online transaction combined. Titan Titan Quest has that. But Titan Quest has no microtransactions. They just charge you a bunch of in-game gold to expand uh, your inventory uh, or to expand your uh, your shared inventory between all your characters. Gotcha. Like that's a, that's a premium con- that's premium content inventory space for some of those games, yep. especially those loot games. Yeah. So do you think Wizards Unite has any chance to kind of stay relevant? I mean, I'm sure it'll be fine. It's yeah. just it's just not going to be a phenomenon it's not gonna, right. like yeah. Pokémon Go was. Yeah. Um, Pokemon Go settled out to about four or five million players, and no one really talks about it anymore. But four or five million players is nothing lot. to sneeze at. Yeah, it still generates a lot of revenue. Um, would you recommend people download it? I mean, you might as go. well. It's free. Yeah. Like, sure. See, see how if you like it. You know, it's not big either. It doesn't take up a lot of space. No, on it's, your phone. it's fine. Yeah. Uh, what do you got to lose? Like if five, you're a Harry Potter fan, I 100% recommend. Sure. Downloading it and checking it out. Yeah, and then there's a fun like the profile thing. You take a picture of yourself and it turns you into a wizard and sticks a hat on you. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, there's it's, 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 cool it's a lot of fun it. like bells and whistles to it. It's just it doesn't doesn't hook me. If like it was maybe if I was collecting Star Wars stuff in it, I'd be more interested. You know, it's just I wouldn't. Not, well, it's not a Harry Potter kid because I was 23 when that because <laughs> you weren't you know? a kid. <laughs> yeah, I like Harry Potter, but it's not something I voluntarily yeah. spend my, a lot of my affinity time for on. Pokemon is way way higher. Yeah. Although I was about the, I was the same age pretty much when that came out yeah. when Pokemon came out, but Pokemon's more fun. I it's guess. better. I don't know. It's better. I didn't have to identify an eleven-year-old to enjoy Pokemon. That's true. Although I guess it's about how old your trainer's supposed to be. Is he? Uh, maybe he's, he's a twin. Maybe he's more like he's thirteen or four. Yeah. Uh, so it's, they're about the that same age where in Harry Potter you go to wizard school and Pokemon you get kicked out of the house and <laughs> told to wander the earth to find animals to fight with one another. <laughs> Pokemon's a very strange society. When you really think about yeah. it, yeah, it's really bizarre. All right, Jimmy, it's time for you to go out on your own and you're twelve learn now. How to, learn how to cockfight. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you catch a dragon. It's just like yeah, don't. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a town with two houses in it. Yeah, That's yeah. Like video games. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk next about possibly Sony striking back at Microsoft. So mm. rumors are swirling that Sony is in the process of offering to purchase Remedy. Remedy is the studio behind Max Payne. Um, it's the studio behind yeah, Alan, Alan Wake. Wake. That's the most significant. I mean, in a, in a sense, they'd be stealing one of Microsoft's old buddies. Right. Because Alan Wake was, a, was, a, was an Xbox, was an Xbox exclusive. Xbox thing, yeah. 
Um, but it ain't, it ain't like they're using it. So. And what was uh, the game that they just put out for Xbox One? Uh, the uh, Quantum, Quantum Break. Break. Yeah. yeah. Which did not did do not well. Perform. No. And no. for good reason. It wasn't great. No, and now I Control was coming out, so multi-platform game. I have that on Game Pass now. I should finally try that. What? Quantum Break. Oh, yeah. I've never played it. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> you maybe not want to do that. But anyway, so Remedy is a good developer. Its yeah. games are generally really polished, and yeah, new, you may or may not like the concept, out. but... Control looks a lot better than Quantum Break. It does, sure. yeah. Well, Quantum Break had that weird, like, branching story path, yeah, FMV stuff in it. live action stuff. The guy who played Iceman. Yeah. Was just, mm. But it also kind of makes sense because Sony just lost Quantic Dream... Mm-hmm. as an exclusive developer. We need something with Quant in it. Although I don't know if I would say lost. <laughs> it might have been a case where Sony kicked Quantic Dream to the curb. But yeah. I mean, it might have been... Remedy would be a pretty decent replacement for Quantic Dream in the sense like, hey, we can get someone that can tell cinematic stories, but can actually make a video game. That was the point I was getting at. Yeah. yeah. Like, That's why... Think, Remedy's got gameplay chops, right. basically. Yeah, so it's like a good replacement for Quantic Dream. It makes yeah. almost too much sense. How much do you think this is... Sony reacting to Microsoft snatching up all those studios? Um, I don't know how much it would be reacting, but I could, I could see it kind of being like a 50-50, sort of like we need a replacement in the same vein as Quantic Dream, but we also like, hey, so Microsoft's doing this stuff. Maybe we should think about some new blood too. Um, it does seem to be in the same sort of, same sort of current. Uh, but I also feel like Sony is sort of insular enough that they don't, often look at what anyone else is doing before they make these decisions. So, like, the idea that Sony is, like, running scared and has to buy some developer, Sony would never think that about themselves because we're an arrogant Sony period now. So. I think if you start looking at next But I do think gen, they're looking for some new blood because yeah. uh, and more in kind of the, the uh, kind of gameplay-oriented adventure stuff because uh, Quantic Dream stuff didn't work and I think they're sort of expecting um, uh, Death Stranding to be a big thing. And I would definitely say that, like, Remedy could do something on par with Death Stranding in terms of sort of a very uh, involved, weird world, cinematically-based, story-driven, but also gameplay doesn't suck sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Like in the, something in, people will remember when I mean, they contr- see it. You know, say what you will about the quality of Remedy's games over the years, but you look at Max Payne, look at Alan Wake, look at Quanti- Quantum Break. Break. Look at Control, all extremely different aesthetics, all extremely different worlds, but there is sort of a, of, of like a remedy quality to them that's still A lot of them have innovative exists. mechanics. Yeah. I mean, don't Constantly. forget Bullet Time from Max Payne. Yeah. I mean, that was like a they're paradigm the fir- shift. They're the first game to do that. Yeah. Like, they were the first The whole game was driven by first it. Game, first game to look at the Matrix and be like, we can do that. Yeah. And they did it. And, and then with Control, you have the worlds that basically just break apart in yeah. real time. Fun and fact, that, uh, Max Payne 1 was the first game I ever played for Capture. Oh, for wow. at, at uh, Tech TV. Wow, there you uh, go. So that was uh, was one of the things that helped me get me get me in. <laughs> if you start looking on down the line though at next gen, and Pactor brought up a good point. He was looking at all the studios that Microsoft purchased, and he said, if you think about it, like these new studios are probably going to give them about three games a year. Mm-hmm. So you put that on top of the stuff you're getting out of 343 and the Coalition and all these other studios that already owned. And, and Playground. And, yeah. You're looking at four, four or five really good exclusives a year. And then you think about what Sony's doing right now. It's at like two, three maybe? Two, three, yeah. I mean, and they're, they're just, really good, but... They're disparate enough that like... And also like the thing is... Um, 
Microsoft's variety of studios is going to cover holes in the schedule just by nature of how many people are working on all these different things. Right. Whereas if, if Sony has a delay on something, you leave a, hole, have a hole and you have, nowhere to, you have nothing to plug it with. Yep. Like, like the Days Gone thing, when Days Gone slipped, you had nothing for like... We had no, they had nothing for oh, Q4. Yeah, basically like we went from Spider-Man in September to Days Gone in, what was that, March? March? Yeah. Yeah, that was, a, that was a gap. That's a big hole. Yep. And Especially luckily, when you're talking about like that far down the and line. And Sony's got the multi-platform support to kind of like fill that to some degree, but I think moving into the next generation, even Sony is aware that like you're going to need to be self-sufficient to a point because you don't... The, these third parties are fickle. Well, they'll go anywhere. They can make money. Anywhere the money is, yeah. yeah. And like, I mean, we've, there's one and thing... And I don't we, blame them. I mean, There's one should. thing we learned... Or one thing at least I learned at, at E3 because uh, I ran into a lot of people I know who, uh, who uh, their games are on um, Game Pass now. And I was curious about that, so I asked a bunch of them, you know, you know you're at a party, everybody's drinking, it's a good time to ask people about business stuff, because they might tell you things, yeah. you know. And um, every one of them, I was like, so what's, it, what's, what's the Game Pass thing like? What do they do? What's the, what's the deal when they do And every single one's like, they just gave us a lot of money. Yeah. There was reports a, coming the, out this week. Like, they gave us a lot of money. Oh, yeah, there were reports coming like, out this week where developers were like, this is how it should work. <laughs> well, of course it is. <laughs> Give us a ton of money and we just sit And we do nothing here. and yeah. we make money for doing nothing. Of course that's how you think it should work, but it's not. But especially some, like I said, it's not sustainable. Right. And especially some of the smaller games where like, they're like, yeah, they gave us more money than we, we expected to make, basically. Right. Yeah. Selling the game. Yeah. So, of course you don't turn that down. Like yeah, the, you of course know, not. You'd be crazy. Yeah. And um, if that is going to become sort of the new paradigm... Yeah, Sony's going to have to worry about what is in their schedule and what might drop out of their schedule, uh, especially because that's how Sony got in the industry in the first place. Yep, that's like, true. That's how they bought all the... They basically bought all the exclusives away from Nintendo and yep. Sega and uh, made it a more attractive deal for everybody to be heavily involved with them. And uh, it, uh, you may no have noticed, at, it worked. It worked. It worked. For a long really, time. Really, really well. It really paid off. Yeah. <laughs> Little and game, look, little game called Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, and I mean, like, look, and ultimately the proof is in the pudding. If they weren't putting out good products, it wouldn't right. work. If they didn't have they good did. hardware, if they didn't have the disc-based hardware that attracted the Square developers to make Final Fantasy VII there instead of the N64, that would have been They had the Trojan horse. But, you know, you, you read that, that article from a couple of years ago where they interviewed the Final Fantasy VII dev team, and they are strikingly honest about the, the run-up between Nintendo and them, and... Yeah. It's how Sony kind of wooed the project away and all that, and how Nintendo didn't talk to them for four years, and like it was—it's crazy. And that you know that stuff happens all the time behind the scenes, and I, it looks like with this new Game Pass streaming service thing, you are more involved in that than ever. Yeah. Like That—it's—it's a—it's practically a renaissance, and that, and the war on that is heating up. They just announced uh, there was a Variety article today that uh, Warner Brothers is pulling Friends off of Netflix I in 2020, that. and it's going to go on their streaming service with HBO Max. And, I mean, the Netflix era is over. We are in the wilderness years of streaming services now. Everything's going to be disparate, and you're going to have to... It's going to start... If you want to see everything you want to see, you're going to have to start paying almost as much as you paid for cable. For cable. It's all come full circle yep. again. It's really crazy. I mean, and now, look, EA is putting its service on PlayStation 4. Yeah. I mean... Where does it end? When it comes full circle again, and consumers are like, "Wait a minute, I'm paying more now than I did before." Yeah, it ends when our wallets are empty. Pretty That's much. When. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. But I think we both agree: Sony buying Remedy, a good decision for both parties. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think anyone buying Remedy is uh, a good uh, decision. Is a good decision. Yeah. But uh, Sony uh, definitely. I, I, you know, I'm not saying they're like Quantic Dream, but I see how 
it could fill that no void. quantum quantum dream no longer being part of the stable i can see why you'd see that as maybe a slightly remedy shaped hole yeah How about that are you surprised microsoft didn't buy remedy Instead of, like, bit. Double Fine or one of the other studios it bought. I mean, maybe a little bit, but, like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know why you would not buy... But, again, it's like, if they really were all that thrilled by Remedy, we're, we'd probably have a third Alan Wake game. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think the truth of the matter or, is, I guess is that we, Remedy's it, games haven't sold very well. It's be a second Alan Wake game, right? The, it was in development and then put on yeah. hold and... Because, uh, what's it, uh, what's the American Wasteland was... Uh, they also just bought back the rights to Alan Wake. Which makes yeah. me believe their next game is going to be Alan Wake 2. I mean, I'd be down for that. Yeah, absolutely. I like that Alan Underrated Wake. game, for sure. But, uh, yeah, so I, I feel like if Microsoft was that interested enough to buy them, we would have been seeing more output from them. And, I, yes, they did. If you're ready, did, are you pissed that they didn't buy you? No. I mean... Maybe they did try. Maybe look, they just couldn't work out it. If I were Remedy, I can't say with any first-hand experience. I don't know what Remedy's kind of corporate culture or uh, or outlook is, but, like... If I, I would think if I were Remedy and I'm joining the, the, the stable, the team, the company that, you know, got games like God of War and Spider-Man made, I'd be like, this is very good for us. Yep, for sure. Especially because they already make games that kind of are along those lines in terms of production value and cinematic. Sony's already proven so. it's patient. It'll let you finish your game when it's in low release it when it's done, yeah. not whenever... You know, it's not as half-baked. Yeah. So. And I think every studio likes that. So yeah. Even when it's not like a big, crazy franchise that everybody cares about, like Days Gone. Right. Days Gone had... I mean, yeah, Days Gone wasn't exactly finished when it, when it launched, but it was clearly better when it launched than it would have Could been. Could you imagine what it would have been like yeah, in, in November or whatever? Yeah. yeah. So, um, I would not... I would be pretty positive if I was working at Remedy right now. I'd feel yeah. like we were, we were on a good path. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Crash Team Racing. This game's also been out for a bit. Well, you're going to talk about it because I will have not, you not touched it. I will not play this crap. Did you? <laughs> Did you play it back I, in the day? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I, I had a roommate who had it. We played it a little bit. I look. Do I, you like kart racers at all? I do like kart racers. I just hate Crash Bandicoot. I don't like looking. I, I don't at like him. him as a character. Either. I don't like looking at any of the characters in that franchise, and I I have zero. Zero nostalgia, zero warm, fuzzy feelings for that character or any of anything related to him. I would agree. And we, look, we talked about Insane Trilogy, how we weren't fans of the Crash game. And I agree with you. Like, I recognize this is a the good game. The characters and the like... art, everything. You don't have to play as Crash. There's tons of players you can, you can control, but none of them are appealing. Mm-hmm. They're all just <laughs> these weird, like, they, they look like concept art that should yeah. have been rejected at some point. Uh, that's the art style in general of that of the Crash franchise, and it does carry over here. But if you can look past all that stuff, it's really good. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It took me a long time to come to grips with the power sliding because they use this weird, goofy mechanic that, and it's the only game that uses it. It's like back in the day when they launched the first game, they're like, "Well, we can't just steal the power sliding from Mario Kart 64." Yes, so. We can. You should have. You absolutely should have because it's vastly superior to how the system works. Um, But otherwise, it is a gigantic game. I'm I'm like you. I played a little bit of it back in the day. Not enough to have an informed opinion on it at all. Mm -hmm. But holy crap, this game is just loaded with content. And it also reminds me a little bit of the PlayStation 1 and 64 era where... They had CD-ROMs. They could hold a lot of stuff on those things. And a lot of games like this would have more tracks, would have mm. more maps. I, bu- I think get... a bunch of this stuff on this is actually new. It is. To it. Yeah, it is. 
But still... They I made mean, it like an old school game. Yeah. There's like 30-some tracks in this game. I mean, it just keeps going and going and going. And not only that, the the modes and the options in it are... I mean, honestly, it probably even stomps Mario Kart 8 in that realm. Mm -hmm. Because there's a story I've, mode... I've, you're not the only one I've seen say that. Yeah, I mean, there's a story mode in, like Diddy Kong Racing. There's also the traditional uh, cup tournaments like you play mm -hmm. in, in Mario Kart. Uh, there's... There's time trials, there's ghost to race against, there's online play. Now, I will say this, the online play is a little weird the way it's set up. Um, it doesn't, there aren't that many options as far as setting up the races pre-race. That's something they could fix, I think, pretty easily. But the way it is right now, it's a little disappointing. But you're racing with, like, seven other players, like, eight-player online multiplayer races mm. across all those tracks that also can be mirrored. There's battles, both online and offline. I mean, it is just a big old honk of kart racing love. Um, but ultimately, I think I still feel like Mario Kart 8 is the reigning champ of kart racers just because of the mechanics alone, which is a big part of any game. Um, but look, if you don't own a Switch or you, you're not a Nintendo fan, uh, but you like racing games and you really like kart racing games, go buy this game. It's also not full price. It's like 40 bucks. Mm -hmm. uh, if I you imagine being a... Someone who likes kart racers but doesn't like Nintendo games. I know. Like that's, it's that's, a small audience. It sounds like a hard life. No, you're right. Like the, the, the Venn diagram of <laughs> yeah. that is the, the center is very small. Yeah. But look, the truth is, a lot of people who haven't owned Nintendo consoles all along may not even know if they like kart racing. Right. And like the the Sega the the Team Sonic thing was very disappointing. So yeah, yeah, it was like a step back from yeah, the game tra before. Transformed is probably my favorite kart racer of all time. Wow. Um, as speaking as someone who has no tremendous affection for the Mario Kart characters, but does have one for, for Sega. The Sega. Um, but uh, yeah, this the the new follow up not not good. Yeah, um, I don't know what they were thinking with that uh, game, and they delayed that a couple times too. Yeah, like I recognize that Crash Team Racing is clearly you know top of the heap, like you know in terms of something like that. I just can't. Can't do I just can't. Have I it. cannot I, abide. I can't have that in my house. It's, <laughs> it's not. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I don't know what they were thinking when they designed all the characters for that uh, IP, but I agree with you a thousand percent. Yeah. But when the when the rubber hits the road, it's a really good game. Oh yeah, I mean, I I believe everyone who says it is just, I'm I'm good with Mario Kart Eight. <laughs> I, I don't I don't I don't because you know what? At least uh, Mario has a neck. <laughs> Yeah, the characters in this game are not appealing at all. And as you go and you unlock, like, you race bosses in the adventure mm -hmm. mode, just like Diddy Kong. Like, I'd love, love to see Mario Kart adopt more of yeah. that kind of stuff, like, from, from Diddy Kong or from this. Yeah, for this sure. Idea. And, like, um... Because it has the universe to back it up it does, and make something sure. compelling. Yeah. I mean, hell, you could branch out. You could do what Sega did and just include everyone from it. You could, be, you could do Smash Brothers with racing. Yeah, um, it's true. Probably, probably shouldn't call it Race Brothers. That's a, that's a loaded, smash that's cart. loaded. Smash Cart's a smash, little more. Smash Cars. That's a game already. Remember that? I said Smash Cart. Oh, Smash Cart? Remember Smash Cars? I do, yeah. What was, what was it? Very descriptive title. Yeah, what was Sessler said? You couldn't, you couldn't have named this game more descriptively if you'd called it Press Buttons. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, that's a, good, that's a good time to mention. There is a Twitch channel right now that is showing... X -play. Yeah, old X Play, old old G Four and old Tech TV stuff. What's the handle? Technical Television. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Anyway, if you're fans of the old Tech TV and G Four days, he literally yeah. or she is he. just rolling 
all he's old like, shows. He rolls all these old shows. He's collected them. He's like edits down. He edits them together into like a reel, and he adds uh, period appropriate commercials. Yeah, at that's the commercial so awesome. Breaks. Like so, there's classic commercials from like you know 2000, the early 2003, yeah. 2004. Earlier today, he ran the uh, the GameCube launch episode of Extended Play. So he's going back before. So you're talking like November fun. 2001. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was I had been on this. I had been a producer on the show for two months. Yeah. At that point. But if you watch it, you'll see Matt and I and a lot of the sketches yeah. and our writings all over it. Well, back when we were all mid twenties babies. Yep. Um, back in the day. That's cool. I mean, yeah. Watch it until before NBC Universal figures it out and shuts it down. It's gonna get shut down. Uh, I don't know. Eventually. It's been running for a while. I mean, what a week and a half now. No, it's like almost three weeks now. Oh, really? Okay. I don't think they care. He's actually. I think he's concerned about being shut down for the commercials oh, more yeah. than more than the actual show. The content ID. Yeah. 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 Although those commercials, you can usually. Well, oh, what was the one? Um, I was one of the ones that aired was. Uh, it was your. Um, Wakeboarding Unleashed one where you did extreme, extreme but, tricycling. but during the the extreme, extreme tricycling walking. and all that in extreme walking you did walk, walking unlimited or whatever yeah. you you used the song from the, the Panama Van Halen's Panama from the game yeah. and he's like that's gonna get us shut down yeah, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> <My> <laughs> it didn't get us shut down at yeah. TV we ran that shit and nothing ever happened well what was the oh uh, somebody was asking about the opening like the open from San Francisco era and I'm like like they're like how come it changed when. Uh, uh, this wasn't on that chat, but someone asked me before in a separate thing, like, where, why did they change the intro when you moved to L.A.? And I'm like, well, primarily I think it was because uh, G4's legal department figured out that every single element of that opening was copyrighted material from some game that yeah, they lifted. Because yeah. Tech TV's legal department did not give a they fuck. No. Like, they did not care. Yep. Like, we just threw the duel of the fates from Phantom They Menace did talk to me about there. using Panama, though. I remember that conversation. Yeah. And I was like, it's in the game. And they're like, it's in the game. And I'm like, yeah, yep. They're like, okay. It's in the game, you're good. <laughs> and for like Duel of the Fates for the Jedi fight we did, like we just called LucasArts and we're like, hey, can we use this? They're like, fine, we don't care. Like, <laughs> no, they wouldn't do that anymore. No, 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 no. <laughs> I've had to license Star Wars music yeah. since then, and it is a very different process. Yeah, different time, different era. But anyway. But it's a fun little channel to kind of check out just because it's, it's, it's legit. No, you it's, can see what Matt and I poured our hearts old, and souls into for And a it's long fun time. to watch all these shows, man. We reviewed some obscure shit. We had to. Like, cause it because was, I had, had to fill, to fill the show. Yeah. With, and it got to the point where you're like, oh, we have this PSP game. Yeah. Like, that's really how it got. Well, there was, I mean, the thing that always strikes me is the obscure PC strategy games. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's all these, like, weird, like, RTSs that I haven't thought about probably since we cut those yeah. segments. And, like, we oh, had to fill thing. the show. And there's a lot of old, uh, he, he has a lot of the old uh, E3 2003, 2004 shows. And I'm, I've tried to explain to them that, like, uh, in the chat, that, like, yeah, so we shot all these there, and then we'd send the tapes up, and we'd fly back, and it would air a week later. Yeah? Like, it, like E3 coverage was a week later, and that was considered fast. Oh, yeah, it was like lightning. And yeah. you watch these, the E3, watch the E3 shows, and watch the lower thirds and all the CGs, there's typos all through them oh, because yeah. we made them so quickly. We, there's, I think, Vitua Racing at one point. <laughs> Baldur's Gate with a U randomly in there. Yeah. Oh, and one of them, I think one of the E3 2004, the best of uh, show, it ha it starts with like the E3 like special graphics package and the side of the of the of the panel of the like the clamp frame, it's just HTML code that didn't <laughs> that wasn't like that somebody left a bracket out or something. Oh. The side of the graphics package is just text. It's just like it's like all this like weird code. It's it's when your series producer is out to lunch. Pretty much. <laughs> When you've all been working for six days yeah. straight and then you fly home and work through the weekend and you have to deliver it by Monday afternoon, 
But we were the only ones who were providing no video coverage that. from yeah. E3. Vic Lucas was at Electric Playground, but he right. didn't get he didn't have turnaround that fast. Yeah. And he would do he had one, to go back to Canada. Yeah, and he and he would do one show because they aired once a week, and right. we did three shows a week, so we had more. Yep. Um, and the, I mean, time. we even we, now everything's just instantaneous. Hell, we even put Morgan and Adam in tuxes and an evening gown for the best of yeah. thing at one year, and, yep. you, and you see them like walking through the show floor doing the raps, and everyone's looking at them like, what the hell are they doing? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> those were different days. But anyway, check it out. What is it again? Technical television? Te- technical television. <laughs> it's great. Not tech TV. Yep. Technical television. Yep. You can see what Matt and I poured our hearts and souls into for a long, long time. And have a nice like, kind of trip down Game Memory Road. There's some... There's some... Uh, there's value in those episodes stuff in there. still. There's some stuff you haven't thought about in a while. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk... Oh, next. and if, you, if you're really good, uh, you can listen to the scripts and try to figure out which one of us wrote which one. Yeah. Um, or watch. I, I think I wrote every Star Wars oh, review definitely. for like ten years. Yeah. So watch the Star Wars reviews and see if you can pick up the jokes that I still use on this show <laughs> that I used to use in scripts back then. Because I haven't come up with any new material since about '99. <laughs> if we're actually being honest. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about Samurai Showdown, uh, an old fighting franchise that has been revived. Yep. Um, Traditionally a 2D fighting franchise, although almost all the recent ones have been polygonal visuals. People but, may yeah, not realize this this franchise has actually kind of been going all along. Oh, yeah. Samurai Shodan 1 was, what, uh, 92, 93? That sounds about right. Because um, I used to play it in the arcade I worked at in high school with, yeah. with, my, uh, with my boss, who was terrible at it, but he would pick Haomaru, because Haomaru's thing is he, you know, he's got a couple of those hard slashes that can take half your life right, off. Right, one slash. And yeah. um, he would, every once in a while, just through luck, he would beat me, and then he'd turn to the whole rest of the store and scream, by the mighty gods of thunder, I have prevailed. And everyone's <laughs> like, oh, you lost to, lost to Larry again. Yeah. And um, old arcade culture was great. It um, was, absolutely. So this one is, you know, it's, it's polygonal, but it's, it's a 2D game. It's a 2D fighter. Uh, oddly enough... There's kind of 3D elements in it, right? Like uh, sidestepping. You can, you can sidestep. I mean, that's that's always been that, that goes back to King, uh, King, uh, King. You know, I mean, King of Fighters goes back to Fatal Fury. Yeah. Um, but with the multiple planes of fighting. Um, oddly enough, like the bonus costumes for several of the characters are bad 3D models of them from like the older games. Really? Yeah. Like so, like like Haomaru, I have a like it's a, it's a DLC, and I think Nakaruru both have. Uh, their polyg- you, you, your, their costume is a polygonal model from like Samurai Showdown Five, which like it looks off. I mean, I guess it looks like ironically awful. It's but I'm like, <laughs> I don't, like mm, mm-mm. Uh, you want to do, give me like two D versions of the old guys, sure. But like this, yeah, the is, characters look strange. a lot different than they did in the tradition. A lot of people when they think of Samurai Showdown, they have very specific images of the characters in their mind of what they're supposed mm-hmm. to look like. And I feel like a lot of the characters in this one do not kind of ring true with that. Oh, no, I don't agree with that at all. Really? I think they all look, th- they all look very recognizable to me. Maybe it's um, the art style that they're using. The art style is a little different. Um, I mean, the art style is pretty in line with Samurai Showdown 3, I would say. It's, you know, it, it, Samurai Showdown got busier visually as you went through the 2D editions. Um, Samurai Showdown 3 was like to the everybody just had like scarves and robes and ribbons everywhere. Um, this feels very similar to that to me. I think the the only character I would say is really different is um, Galford. Doesn't look the he same. He looks way different. Um, it, which in part is I think because he was originally basically a, a palette swap of Hanzo and Tori, right? Uh, with a different head and a dog. Uh, so I think they 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 he is still pretty similar to Hanzo, but I think they are trying to differentiate him a little bit. Uh, Charlotte. 
is interesting in that uh, Charlotte has always been kind of a full armor character who right. was sort of a and now she's, she's a fencer. Yeah, she's I mean she still is but she's showing a lot of leg which is unusual surprise, for the surprise. character. <laughs> um, and everyone else I think is pretty pretty true to what they always looked like. Uh, there's a couple missing, a couple classics missing which I think will probably DLC. be in DLC as we yeah. move forward. Um, a couple of new characters, um, a guy who uses like eight swords at once or something. I haven't I haven't messed with it with him very much and there's uh oh um actually what's his name um the Kabuki guy oh yeah what is his name uh, Kenshiro I think yeah that guy he, always used to freak me out he looks very different he, <laughs> yeah. he's a very very big change that's probably a good change yeah I mean because <laughs> he was more of an an e Honda sort of character he's like creepy he's, he's, he's still creepy he's yeah. still real creepy he's he's hopping around on one foot and doing yeah. Um, so uh, no I think I think visually it it, it does it nails it pretty well um. What about the fighting? The what fighting, is it like? So the fighting is very different. It's, it's not a direct descendant of Samurai Shodown in terms of... Because Samurai Shodown was basically... Traditionally was a standard 2D fighting game in the SNK mold that had the added interest of the weaponry. So the weapons, the bladed weapons basically let you do some really major damage. So it, it, was, uh, it was kind of a seesaw battle in a way that like, oh my god, you got really hurt, but if you can get the right move in... You, you could can hurt them really hard back. Damage, I mean, yeah. it, you know, the, 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 the fortunes could turn on a dime, basically. Yeah. Now, that is still true of this game, but the interesting thing they've done with it is um, it's, a much, it's a very reactive game. It's not really like anything else that I've played this gen in the fighting game realm. It is much more about observing your opponent, figuring out what they're going to do, and reacting to them in a way that other fighting games just aren't. Like, yeah, it's not like this, like insane like ding, ding 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 where your both characters are bouncing all over no, the screen there's, there's a lot of staring yeah it's very game. thoughtful um <laughs> which is true to the subject matter if in terms of not in terms of how actual historical samurai fought but in terms of how samurai films like like the chambara sort of samurai soap opera films uh treat it and that's yep. that's what um samurai shodan draws down draws from anyway and always has with kind of the the over-the-top uh presentation and all the tradition you know the, Jap the traditional japanese like songs in the background and everything everything almost feels theatrical in this series it always has and that's still here and there's a lot of like you know you have all these different defensive options um where you have you know you can you can block like you know like, like any other thing uh but you can also just defense which means blocking the instant the thing hits you and that gives you a better op a better opening it gives you a blue flash and like they they fly they back you have, you have a you have a bigger opening to for recovery to punish them uh, you can do. You can hit uh, two buttons together and dodge one hit. So you just is that you, the side? That's step? where you kind of back into the background yeah. a little bit and it just goes past you. Right. Um, and doing that gives you an advantage if you if you pull that out of the right timing. You can deflect. You can do a counter deflect where you do a, like a fireball motion forward and hit two buttons together. And if you do it right as they they hit you, uh, with a, with the with a right level sword attack, uh, you deflect them again and you get a huge opening for that. You have, um, you can also put your sword down. Um, you can lose your sword uh, for various moves, or you can put your sword down intentionally. And if you are unarmed, you fight with punches and kicks, which are obviously that's cool. They're faster, but they're weaker. You yeah. usually don't want to do that with most characters. But if you do find yourself unarmed, you can do what's called a blade catch. If you time it right, when when they, you know, when when your opponent throws throws a sword hit at you, you catch their blade. You get a little cinematic sequence, and you. Th you disarm them and you throw the blade across the, the arena and they have to go get it and that and then that gives you 
since you're unarmed as well, now you're on even terms. Who can, can get you their... go, Can you pick up their weapon and use it? No. You can't. You can only pick up your own. Okay. Uh, but, you know, if you can time that right and throw that their blade away and pick your blade up, you have a tremendous advantage. Oh, yeah, now. yeah. Um, so, there's a l- so the defensive mind games are as complex as the offensive ones, which is unusual in a modern fighting game, in yeah. my opinion. Uh, well, just to concentrate that much on defense in yeah. general is out of step. Uh, because you. the damage is so high... That's the thing. Is like the, the com- there's not huge combos. It's like in this the game. Dark Souls of fighting. Sort games. of. There's not huge combos in this game. Like I think the highest combo I've ever seen is like six. Wow. Um, and some that's mostly character based. Like Genshiro. Uh, Genshiro is that his name? Genshiro. I think, I think so. so. Yeah. He he can do like some pretty good combos. Uh, just I- inherent to his move, various moves. Other characters don't combo much at all. You're just you're just looking for the opening. You're looking for the mistake, and you can do whatever move gets you the best damage and gives you the best opening and you know, you're looking at you know you're doing two three hit combos for the most part and getting huge damage off and if you're Haomaru, I mean his his for you know his heavy like forward slash which takes forever to wind up so it's hard to get hit by it but if you do get hit by it say goodbye to half your life wow. like, it's it's big and then you've got super moves so you've got a rage meter that fills up as you get hit and as you do damage and once that fills up, um, it, it changes sort of the damage that's done. And very, I'm not actually fully versed on what that is yet. But you can hit all four buttons and activate like a rage mode, which, which gives you a bunch of bonuses. And while you're in that rage mode, you can do a special move, super special move. I think it's a super special move or it's the blade flip move. I can't remember which one, the terminology. But one, it basically, it's a, it's a super move that everybody has the same and you sort of flash, but you've probably seen it in the trailers, you flash past them, everything kind of goes black yeah, and white, yeah. and they go and fall down, yeah. and it does like that much damage. It's huge, it's like, it's like 70% damage or something. You can do that once per match. Okay. And, and whether you hit it or not, whether you hit with it or not, your rage meter goes away for the rest of the match. Oh, interesting. So it's a huge huh. risk reward on that yeah. one. And you can do that any time. Like you can do that in the first round and you don't have a rage meter for the rest of the match if you but want But you've to. won a round, probably. But you did, you did get your round, probably, if you landed it. And then you've got um, the other move, I think it's the blade flip move, is, is can be done outside of it. It's a more complex um, input. Uh, but it's a more pers- it's a character per character move. Like the, there's a little cinematic super move thing with it, and you you disarm them at the end of it. Okay. So that's a huge one too. So you can um, do a lot of damage and disarm them. Yeah, the damage isn't as good as the other one, but it disarms them and uh, it's fairly demoralizing. Yeah, sure. Um, so there's those those options are in there, but most of the matches I see really just play out with normals, and occasionally opportunistically using like kind of the rage meter stuff, um, and in fact. Uh, it's so unorthodox that Justin Wong, Justin Wong did a, a good kind of tutorial, like beginner's tutorial video on YouTube for it. And one of the things that he emphasized, and I agree with him through my limited experience, and obviously it would be stupid for me to disagree with Justin Wong, <laughs> yeah. just about anything. But um, he, what he brought up is something I also noticed, which is it's never worth blocking low. Oh. Low attacks are, for most, They're almost so all characters are so weak and do not combo. So... It's always better to block the standing hit because the standing hit is going to lead into something much more damaging. Or it's just, just going to damage you. Or just big damage time you in, in general. Place. Yeah, in yeah. general. Like a standing heavy is always going to be twice as bad as a low heavy, so forget it. Don't even bother blocking low. Just huh. He's like, I never block low except in very specific situations. And most of the low attacks you're going to get are going to be kick attacks, which are like sweeps and stuff. And you're talking about infinitesimal amounts of damage. Yeah. Right? Like it, all it does is it, it, it puts you in a worse position. But at least you didn't get hit by by an overhead, you know. Um, like getting accidentally hit by an overhead because you're blocking low is infinitely worse than getting hit with whatever could be hit low. 
and that is a very unusual it strategic is. situation sure. for a fighting game to to not worry about blocking low because everything else is just too dangerous. <laughs> um, you can't risk it. So it's a it's and like I mean I've had online matches that ended in five seconds. Yeah. Uh, not like rounds and in five yeah. seconds both sides. You know like you're you're always just trying to feel each other out. The online play is pretty good. Um, for a game that's so split second timing, like I haven't really run into situations where I felt like I like lost. I lost kill. because I wasn't. It wasn't responding to me. I usually usually feels pretty snappy. Um, what about modes? Tons of modes. What about? Um, for, but is there like a single player story mode? Yeah, there's a story mode, uh, complete with SNK boss. Oh wow! Um, who I didn't find all that difficult to beat, but. I've played a lot of SNK games. Uh, I feel like you're if you're just playing like, oh, I'm gonna play the Samurai Showdown. Uh, the last boss in this game is gonna kill your ass. <laughs> like, it's, uh, you're, gonna, you're, gonna t- you're gonna have to figure it out. Basically, yeah. um, SNK bosses are like that. Uh, but every character got their own kind of little story, and they they're uh, they have you know little intro and outro things with narration about them and who they are, what they're doing. But do you just um, fight through like a ladder of opponents? Yeah, you, you fight through a, a set of op- op- opponents. Nothing, nothing particularly special to that. There's um, there's a survival mode, there's a time trial mode, uh, there's a ghost battle mode, which is interesting, where like the, the game will gather data on how you play different characters and you make that available online, and you can go through and pick um, to, to fight against various ranked people's ghosts from online play and play them, and if you like them, you can save that ghost, and then you can go into the Iron Man mode and play either a 10 or a 50 or a 100 fighter marathon battle using the drawing ghosts. from all the ghosts you've saved. Interesting. The um, ghosts, I was watching you play that mode. The ghosts do not seem particularly aggressive. Well, the ghosts you were seeing were the built-in SNK uh, ghosts, which okay. I think are just sort of there to make sure you have some kind like of AI order. opponent to yeah. play with. And as you fill out your roster, if you as you get more and more online ghosts from real people, they, they play better. An interesting um, idea. Sort of like Forza, but with yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, there's a it's nice a fight atar. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> There's a nice fe- uh, Virtual Fighter did something like that. Yeah, it too. did. Yeah. There's a nice uh, feature where um, if you're looking for like ranked matches or whatever, you can set it to look for that and just go play any other mode, and then we'll just do it. Well, because because oddly enough, I have I it takes a while to get into matches on this game. It feels like not a lot of people are playing it. Maybe um, certainly like you know you play like Street Fighter or something, and like it's just like boom, you're in. Like oh, like, as many you people as you can. Wait. Follow. But like yeah, so this one definitely has a thing where it's like set it to matchmaking, go play some other mode or for a while, and like. Eventually, eventually, someone will pop in. The only downside that does not bode well for the game. The future. only downside is that, um, like, I was playing like the hundred man Iron Man thing, and I, uh, I got the matchmaking. You match were at making. like eighty eight, no, it was but, but I popped in. I popped in, and once the match was over, I realized like, oh, it doesn't just. It's not like Street Fighter Five, where Street Fighter Five will just dump you back in whatever single player thing you were doing. Yeah, it's uh, gone. No, it's gone. Like, <laughs> oh, that sucks. So don't don't set it to matchmake and then go try go to beat, the, beat the survival mode because it'll just <laughs> lose your you'll just lose your place. Now is this game full priced? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, for is it a, worth full price? If if you're into fighting games and you like Samurai Showdown, I would say it is. Uh, That's one, a pretty small market in 2019. Though. It is, but I'm part of it. And, yeah, uh, so am I. Cavi- the one caveat I will say is um, uh, if you bought it before June 30th, the season pass was included for free. Wow. Too late now. And now, I think it's like 80 bucks. Whoa, you, my if gosh. The, if you want the game plus a What a pass. deal that was. So it was like 20 bucks. And here's another weird thing. Um, so I got it on PlayStation because all my Fighting Six are PlayStation. Uh-huh. Um, but at one point, I was on Xbox and I was looking through this and it had recommended for you, whatever. And it had Samurai Showdown Season Pass free. And I was like, because it was a separate 
thing, right? And like, I was like, oh, really? Because I don't know if I'll ever get this on 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 Xbox, but yeah. if I can get the season pass for free right now and maybe Might as well snag buy, it now. It, buy it for 15 <laughs> bucks in <laughs> two years. Like, Seriously, though, yeah. And so I did it, and it let me do it. Wow. So like, Without it, owning the base game? Without owning the game, yeah. Pro tip. So you can't do it now, but like... So you would only recommend this to people like us who enjoyed the old games? Uh, or like you want something kind of different in the fighting game realm or in, the, in, the, in like a more defensive game that... Because it doesn't feel like anything else. That's the thing I like about it is it doesn't feel like anything else and that's sort of what Samurai Showdown should be because it didn't feel like anything else at the time back yeah. in the day either. And now, like, if you, I think if you just made another Samurai Showdown game, it would feel sort of like itself. Whereas this feels like a, more of an evolution in terms of what you could do with this premise and this property. Um, so I would actually say go look up, if you're kind of interested but don't know if you want to spend the money, I would say go look up um, videos from, uh, uh, like, CEO, the CEO tournament that happened in Daytona Beach a couple weeks ago, um, where Justin Wong won. I think what I think he won the the whole tournament for Samurai Showdown there. Look up the videos of that and see how it plays and watch how people how it, how the kind of the back and forth works with it and see if it's something you'd be interested in because it's it's really not it's not just like Street Fighter with swords. There's more to it. And uh, and I think it's a pretty cool take on it. Um, so uh, and they're going to support it I think uh, there's new DLC and new stuff coming through February. $80 worth through, through February. <laughs> well, $20 worth. All right. Oh, okay, so you're saying the whole thing costs eighty bucks? Yeah. The, oh, I thought you're saying the season pass alone the they're trying to sell 20, for eighty no, bucks. Season pass is twenty bucks. Now, oh, okay. Now that okay. June 30th is over. That's why I freaked but out. I was like eighty dollars. It's eighty bucks to buy the game with the season gotcha. pass. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. That makes more sense. All right. So there you go. Samurai Showdown is for. Is there a Switch version? No. No. I don't think so. So it's PS PS4 Xbox P One. Is there PS a PC version? Uh, I haven't looked at PC. I okay. Don't know. So at least uh, Xbox One and it PC. Definitely, yeah, Xbox One and PC. I would be surprised if there was no PC version. Um, Is SNK usually good about having that day and date, though? Seems like you, a lot of their games kind of show up on PC later. I don't really pay attention. Yeah. Um, no, it is on... Uh, it's published for PlayStation 4, Arcade, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, Microsoft Windows, and Google Stadia. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, it's for everything, then. So, yeah, I guess eventually everything. Yep. I figure it's not on Stadia just yet. <laughs> Probably not. Um, okay, so, yeah. It has to launch first. Xbox One and PlayStation 4 are already out. Switch and um, PC are coming. Arcade, it came out. Yeah, Switch and PC are coming. Winter 2019. Uh, arcade is supposed to be this summer in 2019. Probably only in Japan. And Stadia will... Whatever. Arrive in its own good time. Probably next year sometime. Yeah. All right. So, I dig it. I'm not going to tell you to spend 60 bucks on it, but I think it's worth a look. Okay. It's not just another fighting game. I think, that, I think you made that abundantly clear during our discussion. Absolutely. It sounds like something different, which is kind of hard to find yeah. in this day and age. All right. Let's move on to our last topic of this episode. We're going to talk about probably the biggest game as far as generating revenue from the last couple of weeks, and that is mm. Super Mario Maker 2. And generating tweets. Yeah. Um, <laughs> A lot of arguing over which levels or what level or this level is this level what's good level or bad level plagiarized level. Oh really? There's been a few like we're like this is just like this level. So, yeah, it's a Mario level. This is some people have the same ideas. It's not like <laughs> it's not like they're stealing yeah. from each other. And even if they are, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> who cares? It really doesn't matter. Yeah. I think there are some people though that get these games and think that. I can make a level and I can like make something out of myself based upon the levels that I'm making in this game. You think that's misguided? Well, as Morgan Freeman once said, 
Good luck. <laughs> yeah, maybe not take it so seriously. Uh, have you played this at all? Yeah, I played a little bit of it. Um, what are your initial impressions? First blush. It's fun. It's Mario. Um, story mode's weird. It sucks. Um, <laughs> I think it sucks. Well, it's, it feels like a mobile game. It does. does yeah. it? Like, it's yeah. like you're just grinding for coins to rebuild a castle. Yeah, it's so weird to play the and levels. Like, it wouldn't hurt any of you fuckers to go out and do some jobs either. Yeah. You know? Like, it changes how, how you play me? the levels. I didn't though? knock it over. You're the one who left the freaking reset rocket laying around. Like, I hate, that, I hate that the gold coins drive everything in that mode because it makes you play the levels differently. That's true. Yeah. I mean, you're just looking to try to get as many coins as possible and anything else doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and then, so for those of you who don't know, or maybe you didn't watch uh, The Grind, um, basically how, how the story... How dare you. Yeah, how dare you. The way the story mode works is, Matt kind of laid it out, like you're rebuilding Peach's castle piece by piece, and each piece of the castle requires X number of gold coins. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and ba- then once you do that, it requires you to go do X number of levels before the... Pro- it really is like a mobile game. It is, yeah. Like It's like a squirrel it kind wheel. of annoyed me. Yeah, I, I don't like the story mode at all, to be honest with you. But I don't um, think most people are buying this to play a story. No, I think most people are, are buying just sort of ju- either to make levels or to just jump in and just play online levels forever. Did you build a level at all? No. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't have the brain for that, really. I built one, and I'll never build another. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Like I just, it took a long. Look, these tools are about as intuitive as they could be mm-hmm. to make a Mario game. And the the way the options work and the way the control, it's all about as good as it can be. It's still way too much time yeah. and investment for... What I'm going to do with this game, I'm going to go to the online thing. I'm going to go pick that, like, you know, 100-level course or 10-level course or whatever option where it just loads up things and lets you play it. And I'm just going to do... That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. That's what that game's for for me. How... And look, this isn't, this isn't unique to Super Mario Maker 2. It was the same issue with Super Mario Maker 1. But how do you, how do you feel about the user-created levels? I mean, there's good ones, there's bad ones. Do you think that the sorting options are good enough to make sure you're not consuming crap? They're better than they were in the first game. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I haven't really played much that I thought was really bad. Um, I, I just don't. Really? I don't care about. Yeah, <laughs> I played I mean, a lot that were really bad. I, mean, I haven't played too much. I'm, I maybe spent an hour on this game. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not uh, has not been something I focused on. I didn't have my Switch on, with you uh, when you with me, so. Oddly, I had a PlayStation 4, but I did not have my Switch. Yeah. But um, it was, uh, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, that it's is, fine. I hate when we describe games that way, but this is one of those games that's fine. I mean, and when I we say fine, it means it's pretty much exactly what you expected it to be. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I can't imagine anyone who's getting this game doesn't already know what they expect it to be, and it is definitely that. Yeah. So. It's weird. And look, it's like, it's, now it's on the Switch. Like, you know, like, you don't have to use your Wii U for this anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's the real advantage. Yeah, I mean, the level sorting is better than it was. It's still lacking because you can't, you can't really sort by style or type. Yeah, so, it is. It was kind of hard like, when I first loaded the browser up to sort of, like, figure out, I just want to play a Mario level. And right. it's like, well, is this, like, what is this? this is oh, like, this is one of those ones those... where you move forward and it carries you through half. Yeah, or, or this is one of these goofy ones where it's not really about platforming. It's about finding a hidden key somewhere that unlocks mm-hmm. this door and then warping through 80 other doors to or get to like, this one room. Or it's like there's, there's, a, there's a pathway through this level, but it's a to-the-pixel 
button press and good luck yeah. finding me. Or, or the person who created this managed to finish it once, right. which is all you have to do. Meaning I could sit here and try it a billion times and never finish it. Like I, I feel like I waste my time a lot in this game. And sometimes you play a level that's really great, and then you get to the end, and there's some goofy thing, like, <laughs> right at the end. It's like, and basically the user is like, no, I don't want you to finish this. It's like, you made it all the way through, you've made it through two checkpoints, this is basically the last step, but nope, there's this thing mm. I'm going to throw in here, that there's no hint that it's going to be there, you have nothing to build upon to know that you should do it, you're just not going to finish this level. And I think that's really my biggest issue with these games in general is there's no building of concepts as a player. Um, there's no like a like building like your database of knowledge on how the game works if you haven't been doing it for the last 30 years. And I do not have an encyclopedic knowledge of 2D Mario games. So I do not know what a lot of the blocks do, uh, what the behaviors are, what the death conditions are for a lot of stuff. So I'll be playing a user level and I'll be like, oh, I'm on this rising platform, and there's a platform above me. I think I'll just go, oh, no, no, that kills me. Like, and you just do this over and over and over again. I'm sure if you're a, like a, a, a Mario savant, you can probably play these levels just like that. I'm not. Like, I, mm -hmm. I don't remember what everything does. And a lot of it just ends up being trial and error. And when you, you're playing user-created levels, they don't understand how to build a progression of activities so that you learn certain things so that when you get to this part later on, you at least have a chance to mm -hmm. make it through. I, would, I do think there's sort of a more, of like the community that has grown up around these, these the, the Mario Makers does seem to ha lean harder into the whole, um, I want you to appreciate like the devilishly annoying twist I threw on this that made it hard for you to finish, yep. as opposed to people that just make fun Mario levels. Right. That's what I'm looking like, for. I'm looking for fun Mario. Mm. Can they give me a sorting option that's fun? <laughs> like, because a lot of this stuff isn't fun. They, I, they, I, they do kind of need a not an asshole. Yeah, like level not mean-spirited yeah. yeah. filter. Please <laughs> like, give me that one. Um, because look, and like most people, I think, they sort by what's most popular. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be the most popular ones are the speedrun levels. And I do like them. They're fun. But in a lot of those, like, you, you perfect it, you get to the end, there's the finish line, and, like, right before, time's up. It's like, what do you mean time's up? I held, <laughs> I held run the entire time and ran the whole way, never flubbed the jump. Ah, but if you spun, if you spin jumped and d did this over the top right. of the screen, you would have bounced that. along that, and then that would have saved you five seconds. Screw that. Like, it, I'll never make another level. I, did, I made way more in the first Mario Maker because I felt like I needed to. Once I kind of used the new tools in creating one level, and this is something that I did that I also think other users make a big mistake of. You try to throw everything into one level. Mm -hmm. Again, it's not the building of concepts. It's like, oh, these are all the tools they gave me. I, I'm just going to throw it all into a blender and see what happens. And I did the same thing. Like, I look back at my level and I was like, I have elements from like five generations of Mario. <laughs> like, I, I was like, I'm not even uploading this level because people will hate it. The same way I hate a lot of the levels that are uploaded, and I'm like, I'm not adding to the pile of trash. Um, it's Even though the tools are very intuitive, it still takes a really long time to build a level, let alone a level that's actually smart and fun and unique and different. And mm -hmm. I do stand in awe. It's uncomfortably like a dating app. 
yeah. in a lot of ways. It's like, it's like, I don't know, this one looks okay. It's like, oh my God, what the fuck? Yeah, I need to swipe left or right. They yeah. need that option in there. Um, like, no, 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 no. But I will no. say this, like, if you are a Mario nerd, and, like, you know everything about Mario, and you can just look at a block or a platform or an enemy and know immediately what they're going to do. And or hell, just know what the name is. Or, yeah, exactly. Cause that's they, one thing I've learned. Is I, don't know, I don't know the name of any of these enemies. Because they don't really advertise them in the games. No. Like, some you've just kind of learned, like, but, yeah, most of them, it's like, I, I'm like, oh, it's called that? Interesting. Yeah. Like closest I've learned, I think, is, like, the, the, I think Super Mario World, they show all the enemies with their names next right, to them. Right, they do. The and that's, that's right. like the only one I... Only but then that taught you enemies that would be in future games as well. Yeah. It was, like, a, a big help. But, um, so would you buy this game if you're not interested in creating at all? Well, I did. And you're <laughs> so, not interested in creating? No. So, I did, Yeah. Um, I probably wouldn't if Mario Maker 1 was available on the Switch. Yeah. Which like, is never going to happen now. No, but no obviously And there's not. no need for it, so. No. Um, but I think, you know, I think having this game in some form on every, Mar every Nintendo platform going forward is kind of a given. Yeah, so, it's just going to happen. Uh, I'm fine. Fine with it. Do you think they'll release another one for Switch? Or do you think that they'll just add DLC? Like, here's new parts. I think they'll, I think they'll just add to it. Yeah. Uh... I, I do think calling it two is weird yeah. a little bit. Like, it's... You, you're going to keep doing this? Like, the next one going to be three? Like, it doesn't make any sense. How much They're further... They're also going to run out of stuff. Right, how much further in. can you push this? Yeah. Really? I mean, this is kind of really the, like, end, I mean, the end game. I mean, really, the only next step is Super Mario Maker 3D. Yeah. And I would be all over that. Like, even though it would probably be even more difficult to do Oh, that would be crazy. <laughs> you're, really, you're talking about actual game dev at that yeah, point. You're starting with the X and Y axis and all um, that. That's where it starts to But, uh, I mean, you're looking at a game where you can make, like, Mario 64, Mario Galaxy, Mario Sunshine, Mario Odyssey levels. Um, they may never release that because then they'd be like, why would people ever what buy you, a yeah, what you, Mario left? <laughs> I mean, you give the tools to everybody, eventually they're going to stop buying just the that, games that you make. that and we're going to be on our fifth Luigi's Mansion before you know it. Yeah. Um... No, I, I mean, I think this is a, it's, a, it's solid. Uh, I don't know enough about the game design part of it to, like, critique whether this block does this or that. You know, I know there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of consternation about, like, certain changes and little quirks that, you know, that, that worked in Mario Maker the same way they worked in the original games that don't work the same way in this one. Mm -hmm. And there's people that's like, well, that couldn't have been a bug because they replicated it so many times. And, like, well, maybe it is. So... Or maybe so. Maybe they'll update. I think. I think there's still some updating and still some tweaking that Nintendo's going to be doing to this to kind of make it the way the community wants it and the way like you know the designers want it. But like, uh, it's fun. It's it's nice to have. It's nice to just it's endless your, Mario. Yeah, Mario whenever you need it. So, and never I'm the cool same thing it. twice. Yeah, there's already just like billions of courses. And uh, you know the online stuff is it's, it is pretty snappy. So it's like it's, oh the know, online play blows. If I uh, oh I mean like I mean like. Downloading a, oh, a yeah, level yeah. and oh, it's and really fast. And yeah. so it's like if I load up something I don't like, it's not like I lost, yeah, uh, you know, a lot of time or anything. It's just like you'll go get another one. Oh, it's, it's like a second. Yeah. You have the level. I mean, I haven't, I haven't played anything actually multiplayer online. Or oh, the online multiplayer is broken. Oh yeah, it's literally just run. It either runs in slow motion, or it's like a slideshow. Hmm. But like the, the first time I booted up, also I jumped retro. and it went boring. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs> it's like, what is this? And the modes are dumb. It's like you race to the end, but like some of the levels are like these levels where you go through like warp portals and you have to go through like this portal that takes you to this room and you go through that one. And what I found was I would just stand in the room where there's multiple doors 
and let everybody else run through it all and figure it out and then have the guy come and go in there. I just follow him in the door. <laughs> I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, again, it's one of the drawbacks of having kind of user created because they incorporate that stuff in there mm. as well, like user created levels. Um, it just, the net code is so bad. Again, a side effect of the Switch not having an Ethernet port. Uh, when you don't put an Ethernet port in, people aren't going to buy the dongle that I have. They're going to play through Wi-Fi, and that's what happens. You have mm. horrible lag. Um, it's unplayable right now. I don't know if they're even going to bother fixing it or if they're just going to trash it. I don't know, but it's do not look at online play as a feature for buying the game is what I would say. Mm. It's, it's completely unfunctional. All right. But you would recommend people buy it? I don't know if I would, honestly. If you know what, I mean, I can't imagine someone who's interested in this doesn't know what they're getting into. I would say if you already have Super Mario Maker, I would not recommend buying this at full price. Because hmm. you still have endless I mean, Mario there. Sort of, but you'd also still have to have your Wii hooked up. Uh, it depends yeah. what that's worth it worth to you. Wii U. Wii U, yeah. Whatever. More likely that the Wii U still hooked up, though, yes. than the Wii. Yes, much more. But yeah, I would say if um, you Unless still... you're a Just Dance fan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you have your a Wii U and Super Mario Maker and it's not, like, packed away in a yeah. storage facility... Or if, or like, the Mario Maker is the only reason your Wii U is still hooked up. Yeah. Like, this would be a good way to finally solve that problem. That's true. That's a good point. But... Yeah. So... It I is like what, it. I it is like what it. it is. I, I like it. I, I know it's a lot. For, it's a lot of money for basically like a an, occasion, an occasional toy, yeah. basically. But like, I don't know. I don't mind it. It is what it is, and it does what it does. And and I you're basically like getting it. what you expect. There's no curveballs here. Yeah. I also like. You know, I got it digitally, so I can always pull it up whenever I want. Yep. It's. I dig it. All right. It's time for our I'm trailer. I'm not saying it's not full of sadism. But <laughs> it is, definitely. It's, it's, uh, Without it's, a doubt. It's fun. Yep. All right, it's time for our trailer of the week. Uh, since E3 has been over, there has not been a ton of big trailers. Mm. Kind of blew the load there at E3. But we got a good one today, in fact. Um, Cuphead. Today was a big day for Cuphead. Oh, yeah, the, the sales announcement. Yeah. Sales announcement. It sold 4 million copies. Uh, a new television show, I believe yeah. Netflix was announced right, yeah. today, and a couple days ago they announced what we're going to show you right now, which is the last piece of DLC for Cuphead. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, pushed to next year. Yeah, but. yeah, which was a shame, but not a but surprise because they said one of the the reasons they're one of the reasons they're doing it, delaying it, is so they don't have to crunch on it. Yeah, so I'll accept that. Good for them. That's yeah. good. I mean, the original game was delayed like four times oh, yeah. or whatever. So it's not a surprise that they didn't get it done. And I think if you play the game, you could understand it's not yeah. as simple as making other games. Well, especially since games. it was originally just a boss rush game. Right. And yeah. they decided, oh, people think this is going to be an actual game. <laughs> actual platformer, we better put some levels in here. I may have actually liked it better if it was just a boss rush game. That's the highlight of the game anyway. It is. I don't want to go that far. I, li I like the... the Standard platforming levels. Yeah, so. very frustrating. The boss, the boss stuff is definitely the star of the show. Yeah, it feels more complete with the other le with the, the I full agree. levels. In definitely it. agree with that. Anyway, the last DLC, as Matt said, coming more next Cuphead year, is never bad. It's called Delicious Last Course, and here's the first trailer. Alright, so again, uh, 2020 for that. It's not coming out this year. You have to wait a bit for it. Maybe mm -hmm. it'll. Maybe they pushed it to coincide with the TV show and other stuff? Nah, I, I feel like you want to get this thing out 
Also, I think that TV show is probably not coming out next year. If it's going to be uh, hand animated like the game, could, that's a lot of work. It could be late next year. Yeah. It depends. Like we'll animation's faster than you think it is yep. sometimes, especially like, you know. The, With it, the technologies they have yeah, now. I think, yeah, I think you can. I mean, it depends. If they're going to do it full hand animated, it could take a while. It's, it's sort of a lost art in some ways. But uh, no, I would, I would expect to see. If they're announcing it now, I'd expect to see it mid to late la- next year. Okay. Uh, so, obviously, we're not streaming this episode, but we did go on Twitter and on Sifted.net to ask you guys for questions. And as always, you guys delivered. We have five questions from you guys we're going to answer. The first one comes from Twitter from at JGotYourBack. What do you think of companies like Bethesda not inviting certain press like Kotaku to their press conferences because of their neg- negative coverage of their games, but filling the place with what looks like employees or people who get paid to quote-unquote look hyped and scream at every word said. Well, I will say that hiring hiring people to be excited in your crowd is not unique to Bethesda or the game industry or anyone. Yeah. Like almost anything like that. And it's that been happening for that. a long time. We did it. Yeah, we, we did. did. Like everyone in the front rows of the G4 Live stuff for A3 all hired Paid. people. Like it's 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 very very common. In fact, we hired hundreds of fake In fact, crowd. for the last couple of years of X-Way, we had an in-studio audience, um, and that audience was a bunch of hired extras. Yeah. And because it's, we thought it sounded ridiculous when it was just like five of us applauding. Like um, they did on... Like did on Attack of the Show. Yeah. I mean, also, Attack of the Show didn't sound like we did because Attack of the Show had a much larger crew because right. they were live show. They actually so they, had 15 they, people. They had 15, 20 people in the, in the, in the, in the studio room. to begin yeah. with. So we had like three. You yeah. know, like we, it, we were not the same. We were live to tape. So we would bring in, I remember we'd bring in like, like 15 to 20 uh, applauders and people. And Trey, Trey, who was the, uh, who was the coordinating producer, he would get frustrated because he would have to like wrangle them and he'd try to get them to laugh and stuff on cue and like it, they just weren't doing it. And the, and he, on one time, he complained about that on the phone to the, to the woman that he would coordinate with to, like, hire the people. And she's like, oh, you need laughers? He's like, what? Like, you need laughers. He's like, is that a thing? He's like, oh, yeah, I'll send you our laugher, our best laugher. And it was a different crew that showed up next time. That and their whole, their whole thing was they went and they, they went, and did, went to tapings and laughed. They were good at fake <laughs> laughing. And, like, that's who we used for the rest of the run of the yeah. show because they were great. Yeah. And, like, these people... Like, they came to our taping at, like, 7 in the morning, and then they went to it. Like, they did, like, four shows a day. They went to, they, from there, they drove over, like, to another show, and they did another audience thing there, and they, did another, and they made a good, that was their living. They made a good yeah. living doing that. Like, this is a super common thing. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's what was happening at Bethesda's press conference this year with the Probably. people screaming. Yeah! Like that. yeah. I mean, some people in, those, in the audience there did look like they were employees or parts of certain teams. I think the ESO stuff was the ESO yeah, team yeah. just being very enthusiastic. Yeah, for sure. Um... Uh, but the short answer is, I don't care. Yeah, like, I it's, mean, it's, it's, like it's, we, standard, it's standard equipment. It's, it's fine. Just be aware that that's happening and don't get suckered by it, I guess. It's not, I mean, it's not fooling me. I don't think it's fooling you. Yeah, the Spike VGAs, all the whole crowd in the front, all paid for. Uh, the MTV Movie Awards, the VMAs, mm-hmm. any award B, the BET, any the award show that Viacom did, CMT awards all paid on oh, yeah. it. Oh, and I promise they're not taking Kotaku's seats or anything. Like, no, they're, like they're, they just don't want Kotaku. They just don't there. want Kotaku there because they because not just because of the negative stuff, but because uh, Kotaku prints leaks. That's the thing that, that annoys Bethesda and also Ubisoft about them is they they publish leaks. They do their jobs as journalists. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> 
It's really become weird. So this week on Pactor Factor, somebody asked a question. It was like, do leaks hurt game sales? And should journalists be doing it? And is there a benefit to do it? I mean, that's where we're at, Matt. We're at a place where people think journalists shouldn't be doing their jobs. Mm -hmm. I mean, it happened to me with in Cyberpunk. In, in service to uh, marketing plans. Right. I mean, it happened. the same thing happened to me with Cyberpunk and that goofy YouTuber that wrote, did some video about me. They People don't want journalists to do their jobs anymore. They want the companies to be in control of everything because they worship the companies. And they, they want the companies to be in control because they know best. Um, it's very weird, this place that we found ourselves in. I don't think the president of the United States subverting the press helps just in mm -hmm. general with people's perception of journalists and True. the press. I mean, this predates that. It though. does. It's, absolutely. It's, uh, it's but, gotten, but it also has gotten worse and worse as um, uh, these productions have gotten bigger and bigger, and you can't control what 400 people working on your press conference thing are telling anyone. I had people calling me a shill for running that cyberpunk stuff. I'm like, bro, a shill for that what? is the opposite of shill. Like, you need to look in the dictionary. The shill is the guy who has that and doesn't run it because he's kissing the company's ass. Like, people have no idea about what journalism is anymore, how it should function, how it has functioned in the past, what their jobs are. Like, I was flabbergasted by that question. And no offense to the person who asked it, like, you're a, a lot of people like you. Like, they think that the press is, like, this evil entity that's ruining everybody's fun. Like, I don't know. It's very frustrating to see the environment that we're in right now. Not just well, with part games. Well, of it, part of it may also just be that the gaming press has functioned as a wing of the, of the PR for game companies forever. And like, that's what people expect. That's what enthusiast press is to some degree. You know, it's like you get the same thing in automotive journalism, You too. do. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot um, of industries like that. Yeah, and it's just tech, like... Tech, all of it. Tech, fashion, yep. like that kind of thing. Um, basically, coverage of anything that is not life or death. You know, yeah. if, if it's just entertainment, it ain't that serious, really. Yeah. Uh, and maybe you're gonna run some scoop on like, you know, uh, you know, this the rumors that this person was cast in this or whatever, and uh, or maybe you're not because you don't want to ruin your access to the real stories. You know, like Vanity Fair is probably not gonna run something like that because they have such access to the cast and and behind the scenes stuff where they do all those big articles all the time on the big movies. Like, is it more advantageous to them to keep that relationship going, or is it more or going to get them more sales or more clicks to report on this weird rumor that the studio doesn't want reported on? I mean, you, you bring up a good point. Like, a lot of consumers are conditioned for the entertainment press in particular mm -hmm. to just pander. Yeah. To just do whatever it is that the publisher or the movie studio want you to do. And most and when of someone them steps are outside that. of that, most of them will do that. And when someone steps outside of that, they're the sore thumb. They're the one yeah. that sticks out, and then they target them. Instead of being like, you're doing your job, they're like, wait, you're doing things differently. Yeah, but remember, like, you're, they're not just, you know, Kotaku's not just getting uh, heat from the, from the various companies because they publish rumors and stuff. They're also getting heat for things like what Jason Schreier does, where he goes and talks to these developers or these people that worked on these troubled projects under conditions of anonymity, like an actual journalist does. And reports on this, you know, on basically the war on the ground, for lack of a better term, in terms of what it took to make Anthem, or in terms of what people went went through in that process. And companies don't like that that kind of you know, yeah, they that air dirty their laundry. dirty laundry. It's real uh, journalism. Yeah, but like, like, but remember, if you enjoy or you want to know what's really happening behind the scenes th through articles like what Jason Schreier writes. 
that's equally as annoying to these companies as publishing that you know that Watch Dogs Three has got leaked. You know, yeah. like that's up there too in terms of like, hey, we don't want that's not part of our deal. It's like, well, too bad because it's part of the part of the actual story. Right. So you know. I would rather have people like Jason Schreier, and I don't think there's enough of people like him Absolutely. in gaming press, but like, I would rather be able to read that and know the truth about those kinds of things than have Kotaku go to the Bethesda press conference. Because you know what, frankly, if you're sitting at home watching the Bethesda press conference on a, on a stream, you, no you know just the same as anyone sitting You there. may get an interview after the press conference if you're there with yeah. somebody. But you know what, Kotaku seems to get access just fine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you a thousand percent. If it's an either-or situation where it's like either Kotaku goes to the press conference or it continues doing mm -hmm. what it's been doing, absolutely keep doing what it's been been doing. Yeah, and there is not even a question. And, and but remember, the truth is, they should be able to get both Bethesda, true. Ubisoft. They should not disinvite Kotaku to freaking anything for doing its job. Well, of course not, but that's just not how corporate anything works. Like that's you know, it's it's the control of the message is paramount. I mean. It didn't end up happening, but I remember when there was sort of that little collapse of game press stuff. You know, G Four got canceled, and uh, game trailers shrank a bit, and like there was, you know, there was like questions of whether it would even be a thing anymore. A lot of the major publishers, the big AAA publishers, started investigating uh, the idea of starting their own in-house media. Oh, of course, stuff. Yeah, like basically having you know a a a network in-house that would report on the industry or whatever, but really they're there to message out. Properly, you know, it's sort of like the Nintendo Treehouse, but Nintendo's Treehouse doesn't pretend it's a press outlet. It just, it's a Nintendo PR thing. Yeah, but, I mean, they do like but, their own podcast. But basically, you're talking about like they all kind of looked into doing like a like their own in-house streaming sort of version of Nintendo Power for themselves. Yeah, that'd be the kind of the equivalent of what it is because Nintendo Power was just an ad, and um, that never really came to fruition. But that is something that they really were interested in. A lot of those companies were really interested in because they want to control over what was being said. And, you know, because people talk about, what if everybody started doing, you know, exposés like Jason Schreier? Like, they wouldn't a be able... A lot of they shit would get fixed real fast. They wouldn't be able to, like, blackball all of us. It's like, mm, they probably could, actually. Well, especially now to. with yeah. the influencers. Yeah, the that would, they probably I mean, you're looking for shills. Direction. There's the shill. Right. The influencer is the shill. And you see that often, you know, more and more, like all these, you know, even just the ones that get caught running their own gambling rings. Right. You know? like, yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't think uh, I'm. I don't think Kotaku really has a problem with the fact that they're not allowed to go to Bethesda's press conference. No, because end. dude, it drives gigantic traffic. Right. Gigantic. And look, when you're running a website, for us, it's not that big a deal because we're not really concerned about the mass volume of people that come to our website. But most commercial websites, that's all that matters. Yeah. And it's not just how many people, it's how many uniques. Right. And when you break stories like that, people come to your website. That no, normally never come to your Never website. come to your website. Your uniques for that month skyrocket, and that's how you charge higher advertising rates mm -hmm. and you make more money. So there's nothing more important than stuff like this. Yeah. And like... Um, yeah, basically, I, I think it's just, it's another reminder to, you know, these companies are not your friends. Yes. Um, I don't know how many more times we have to say this. Even speaking as someone who is friends with people who work at those companies. Right. Um, the companies are not your friends. Press conferences and E3 presentations, all that, they are all giant commercials trying to separate you from your money. Yeah. 
and always keep that like the idea that there's fake people in the audience there's fake people on the stage yeah like they want you to buy their product like it's like that's the whole point it's yeah. not a celebration of gaming it's a celebration of what we can do for our shareholders and look and, i'll be honest like when i was at the age a lot of people who watch our show or watch a lot of other podcasts or listen to other podcasts i was pretty naive too so I don't want to be like too harsh on these people, but you need to listen to us. Let us learn the lessons for you. Like when I was in my 20s, I didn't think about the fact that companies were just draining every dollar out of me. Like if they made something I liked, I liked that company. So I do get where how some of you are still kind of in that bubble of Nintendo loves me. It's not how it is, folks. Or go back in time and be a Sega fan. That'll teach you that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. All right, we got to move on. Uh, next question is from Sifted from NeoJD. First part's for you. Uh, what do you guys think about Spider-Man Far From Home? Also, what about the new season of Stranger Things? So you tackle Spider-Man, um, I'll tackle Stranger Things. Well, I also saw Stranger oh, Things. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. I didn't think you'd watch it. Uh, that was my July 4th uh, thing, was we had a big viewing party. Oh, watched, okay. watched the whole season in one day. Oh, wow. Um, I thought uh, Spider-Man uh, Far From Home was e excellent. That's great to hear. Um, I was really I loved concerned. Uh, also, especially because I, you know, I loved Endgame. I love all that. But I was kind of like, I felt like, uh, like, I think I've even said it. I felt like if you wanted to stop the MCU now... I'm f I'd be fine with it. Like yeah. I, I got my complete story. We we told the arc we told the arc. Yeah. Like it's great. But I, after watching Far From Home, I'm like, bring it all in. Like wow. I'm back in. I'm 100 percent back in. That's like, great. The, like there, there's great there's crazy callbacks in it. Uh, a character comes back from Iron Man one. Wow. Um, which I bet you don't recognize who who that guy is. By the <laughs> way, um, watch a Christmas story again. Um, what? <laughs> the, the the character that comes back from Iron Man one was the kid in A Christmas Story. What? The blonde kid with yeah, the glasses. Peter Billingsley, who was a producer on Iron Man and made a cameo on Iron Man 1. I didn't even know that. And he comes back in this one. Wow. Crazy. Um, there's a, you'll never, you never recognize him. Because he, he's, 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 he's the guy that, um, in Iron Man 1, uh, Jeff Bridges says, Tony Stark built this in a cave with a box of scraps. And the guy's like, I'm not Tony Stark. That's that's oh, the, yeah, that's yeah. the kid. That that's the kid from oh. from a Christmas story. <laughs> wow! And he pops up briefly in this. Interesting. Um, so lots of great callbacks, lots of setup for future stuff. Stay around for the post credits tease because if you want to see where Phase Four is going, it's right there. There's, there's huh? a hint right here. Wow. There's a big hint right here. Um, tons of tons of fun callbacks, but also just Spider-Man being Spider. You know, Spider-Man gets to be Spider-Man in the big climax of this in a way that he hasn't in the MCU really yet because it's about Peter kind of growing and learning to trust himself yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, by the end, they've set up a huge paradigm shift that's going to change how Spider-Man, the third Spider-Man movie in the MCU is going to be. They're going to be able to do a story they've never been able to do on film before for, for the next one. Um, and meanwhile, like, you know, they take him out of his, his comfort zone because it's all in Europe. It's not in New York anymore. Um, and actually, that's even great because like, once they get back home... You get to see a little bit of New York stuff, and it's like it's so good to see Spider-Man in New York again after a whole movie of him being right, in Europe. Right. That like you forget that we've had five movies with him swinging around New York, and it's like they've done a really good job like making this MCU Spidey really work. And I mean, Tom Holland's great in that role. Um, Zendaya's great as as MJ. Uh, I can't believe they made a movie with Mysterio in it. Like Mysterio was always the villain that like. Back in the old Spider-Man, like Raimi oh, trilogy I know days, well, yeah. people would be like, "Oh, well, I'll never make a Mysterio movie. Like Myster <laughs> Mysterio is the one nobody will ever make a movie." Although Raimi did toy around with the idea of revealing in three or four, I think three or four that 
Bruce Campbell was Mysterio. And he was the same char- same person in all his cameos in really? the Spider-Man trilogy. Yeah. That he was actually Quentin Beck following Spider-Man around <laughs> and like preparing for like it would be like a big like kind of reveal in four or something that Mysterio was oh, actually wow. was actually Bruce Campbell. Huh. And um uh, but but like Mysterio, and so like it, now you've got the thing where it's like Sony has control of all of uh, most of the Spider-Man villain stable with Venom and Black Cat and, and Morbius. God, they're making a Jared Leto Morbius movie. What a time! <laughs> what a time to be alive! Um, and they're like, oh, we'll take Mysterio, and we'll do it better than you. And they did. They did. It's it's great. Like Jake Gyllenhaal is fantastic in the role. If you don't know anything about what who Mysterio is. Uh, they nail it, and in a way that I think will be really surprising for people that don't know the comics. If you do know the comics, it's exactly what Mysterio should be, with a little twist that makes it fit in the MCU really well. Um, they do a really good thing. One of my big problems with the Venom movie, and I, I actually one of I, I, mean, I think Venom is terrible, a terrible movie, but I think it's fun. Like I didn't. It's not like when I yeah saw, I watched it. It's not like I, I saw Batman vs Superman and I left the theater angry. Right. Like I thought Venom. I'm like that was bad and dumb and it wasn't really the Venom movie I want. It's not the Venom I want on screen. But I had a good time watching. Yeah, I it. made it through the movie. And, and I felt like everybody in that movie knew they were in a bad movie and had fun with it <laughs> yeah. as well, except Tom Hardy. <laughs> but that's also part of the fun. Right. That Tom yeah. Hardy doesn't know <laughs> that it's a bad movie. Um, but like. Uh, it's it's interesting to see my problem with like the Venom movie and the way they did it with that is I understand they kind of had to keep it separate from the MCU stuff because that's just not what the license is. But Ven- but now they're talking about crossing the Tom Holland Spider Man over with Venom in a Venom sequel and that doesn't work because Spider Man's villains always have to be his fault. Spider Man accidentally creates You're right. all he his does. villains. Yeah, I never thought about and that. And just this random monster. <laughs> Space monster fighting Spider-Man just because they did in the comics doesn't make any sense. Yeah, this one has a real Far From Home is a really clever way of making Mysterio Peter's fault, and that is the, that is the hallmark of a great villain. Yeah, same same with Vulture. Like Vulture in the in Homecoming, he's not Peter's fault in the sense that he didn't create Michael Keaton's you know business or anything. But Peter poking his nose into it and make, and kind of getting too personally close to the situation is what makes Vulture dangerous right. and what makes him a threat to a Peter, yeah. to who Peter cares about, and to New York in general. Yeah. And so Peter Parker always has to create his own problems <laughs> to some degree, and they find a really clever way of making that happen and a really clever way of solving it. So I thought, I thought it was great, and I was really just going to see it out of inertia. Yeah. I was just going, like, yeah. I mean, Why yeah, not? it's a Marvel movie. I'm going to go see it. Yeah. Spider Man. I like the like Homecoming a lot. I like Tom Holland Spider Man a lot. So I'm going to go see it. Now I I thought it was great. blew blew me away. I was I was not ready for it to be as good as it was. Was it as good as Into the Spider Verse? That's a hard one. But I do think I'd call it the best live action Spider Man movie. Wow. All right, let's move to Stranger um, Things. And Stranger Things, uh, I think we have established at times in the past that I am not a huge Stranger Things yeah, fan. Yes, why well, I didn't think you would even watch it already? Um, or have, would well, have watched it already. It's like the Game of Thrones thing. It's like if you don't watch it, you're not going to have anything to talk about at parties. For <laughs> um, I, like I don't s- feel like this season, though, is tracking that way. What, 40 million people watched it? Yeah, I know, but I, like people aren't talking about it. Like, they have for the last two I don't seasons. Know. The, the first season I thought was okay. Second season I thought was pretty bad. Uh, I thought season three was great. Really? Like, I thought. See, I think it's the. I've, I haven't finished it. So I just finished episode seven last night. I have three mm. more to go, I think. Is there two? One more. It's eight. Oh, really? It's eight, eight episodes. Oh, then I. Then no way. 
If there's only one episode left, no way! It's the worst of the three! Nah, even close. It's the only one that, that is more than the sum of its parts. It's the only one that has enough story to fill out its entire runtime. It's the only one that doesn't constantly repeat its own character conflicts without getting to any character development. That all that may be true, but there are so many freaking plot holes and implausibility. I found no plot holes whatsoever. Why don't they take a cam... Wow! I cannot what? believe you think this. Why don't they, why don't they take what? A camera to document stuff. Like the one guy's even a photographer, and all this insane stuff is happening everywhere, and they're the only people who know it's happening. It's insanely preposterous. I can't even. I could. I almost quit watching it. It became so absurd. I was like. How is all this insane crap happening? Not just in this little town, but with these huge corporations and the and nobody knows anything about it. It's crazy. Well, well before the internet, no one could talk to each other. I lived don't before you, the internet. There were phones. There were other ways oh, to phones, communicate. Phones don't work. Phones don't work when you have to talk about Russians. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Look, any sci-fi, you have to suspend disbelief a little bit. We all know that. We all love sci-fi. This season, to me, is just ridiculously absurd. The, I was hoping... That might be why I like it more, because they actually took their premise and ran with it, as opposed to kind of half-assing it the way they did in the first two it's, seasons. I, 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 to hear there's they've one episode actually, left just destroys They've also me. actually got a budget this time, which is um, The effects are amazing. Like, well, I can't believe it's also, a freaking TV show. At, I think at least a third of the budget went to music licensing. I like think there's the, that's so much thing. music like there is, there. but that's another thing. I think the music in the season sucks. I think they did a horrible job of plucking the tunes out of that era and those years. I could go on and on. You telling me that there's one episode left destroys me because up until this that moment where you told me that, I was like, there's three episodes left to save the season, and I don't think it's look. It's not terrible if you're looking at TV. It, it's certainly still a top shelf television mm -hmm. production. The production values are insane. The acting's mostly good, but to me, compared to the other seasons of Stranger Things, it is mm. way, way behind. Well, my only point of comparison would be to remember that this is the guy who thinks season eight of the Game of Thrones is fine. So we're, we're of a very different. You're watching the season three of Stranger Things from the dimension of the Game of Thrones season eight that I watched. I think because maybe. You're reacting but it doesn't seem like people, I don't know, I don't feel like I'm an outlier. Like, again, it doesn't seem like no one's talking about it. Like, well, no, no one's, one's discussing it on social media. And no I, look, I, get I think no one's talking about it because it's season three. Like, 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 I mean, it's still doing huge numbers. It is, yeah. But, like, like the biggest ever. And, but, like, there's not a lot to talk about in terms of sort of, like, without spoiling everything, really. Like, yeah. it's, like, the character development, because people are I don't are feel like there's anything that happens that feels like it's spoilerific though well i don't think so but like pe there are people who think casting choices are spoilers, yeah that's you know? like, that's just stupid yeah but like people don't want to talk about that on like twitter because then you get yelled at by a hundred people for four days you know like it's but you, people usually there's so there's I've like seen the a lot of talk about the grace period i've seen a lot of talk about the you know, almost uh, i mean a week's not over yet tomorrow? it came out on july 4th right yeah it's oh, i guess you're right tomorrow's the, the, the 11th yeah. But um, I've seen a lot of people, you know, mostly people who are talking about Steve. Like, everyone's a fan of Steve. Um, Steve doesn't get many of his great moments until late in the season, though. 
Uh, yeah. and, uh, I thought it was honestly I thought it was bad until like episode 4 or 5 stuff started actually like happening no I, I think it moves real well the whole time I, I think the characters finally have a lot to do they expanded Joyce a lot because Winona Ryder basically slept walked through the second season but see I no think her acting's terrible in this season um, Way, everything's like overacted like her scenes with that guy like ah oh, man what guy? I, I'm really her love interest the cop Hopper. Yeah, where they like the argue back and show. right, yeah. where they argue back and forth. Like, I just feel it's all poorly acted and wrote. Like, well, I the Russian know. guy agrees with you. What? The Russian guy uh. agrees. With you. <laughs> That's a good joke. Um, but uh, I like that character too. Um, like, I think the character- that whole stuff was absurd. Like all of it. There's of course so- it's absurd. <laughs> it's like anytime you make a Red Dawn reference, you're gonna get in the absurd. Yeah. Man, also, stick around. Make sure you stick around when you watch the last episode. Sticker uh, the post-credit sequence. Okay. Stick around to the end of the credits. All right, but it's like even like the production values are pretty. Which impressive. you will find even more absurd. Oh really? Buckle up. The They're CG going crazy. is really good for a TV show, but then there's like it's almost like they filmed some of the show like it's an old crappy '80s sitcom because when they're in the one base and they're trying to escape, like. He pushes a bunch of 50-pound drums, and they're made out of, like, paper mache, and they go flying into, like, the corner of the room. Like, to me, this whole season is full of crap like that. Like, just from top to bottom. And I've watched it all by myself because my wife doesn't care. So I've had to sit and watch all this by myself. I don't know if that's impacted it in any way. I don't know. I much prefer a, a little weird and a little schlock to, like, just the running in place they did for season two. Like, it's... The fact that, I feel like, like more stuff happened in season. Again, I have I'm nothing not done. happens in season two. Like everyone has. She finally discovers like her real power, though, and you get to see. Yeah, it. but that takes eight fucking episodes. Like, and then to do it, they they have her go away for an entire episode in episode seven, where you could have sprinkled that through the whole thing. And also, like, why did you start season two with that other psychic girl if you're not going to show her for seven more episodes and then never mention her again? Yeah. None of Those that are matters. Small. Those are small sticks to me after those aren't compared small to sticks season at all. three. Those, those are structural. Those are like nitpicks. Those, the no, stuff I'm complaining stru- about in this season are just season, episode just seven bad. of season two being like a complete random tangent that has nothing to do with anything else, and the only outcome of it is that she has a cooler haircut at the end. That is not a nitpick. That is a structural weakness in the entire season that no. makes no to sense. To me, to me, and the first two seasons out, were page if turners. You, if you'd spread season that three, out, like I don't even feel motivated you gotta turn to, to keep page in season it. two because otherwise nothing fucking happens happens if you spread season episode seven out further like ahead of itself you no longer have to have five episodes where the exact same conflict between hopper and 11 is played out over and over and over which they also do in season one where they have lucas have the same conflict with the same group in episode six and then they resolve it and then the same conflict comes up again in episode seven because they have no other way to end the season like that doesn't happen in season three they came up with eight episodes of story whether you like the story or not is a different question but an, an oddity. The story's in a, okay. An oddity in a Netflix series. They have enough story to fill the number of episodes they have. The other thing I don't like about it, how it's shot, is it's shot like a soap opera. So they can never just finish a scene. Scene should end, and instead they go to the soap opera facial reaction shot every time. The weird, like, look away, or the, ooh, like, it, it's bad. I can't believe you can't see it. The production of the production values to me are just crap like i have no i i literally have no fucking idea what you're talking about 
Go watch really it again. Watch I don't want to watch it again. Every I didn't scene like it that finishes much. with the ooh or the oh my god. It's a soap opera. They shoot it like a soap opera this season. Also, another show that just jumped the shark that way is a show on HBO called Big Little Lies. Same deal. First season, great. This season, it's a freaking soap opera with these weird, like, dangling, like, shots at the end of every scene. Like, I don't know. I don't hate it. I'm still going to watch it. I have one more episode to go. But literally, the first well, two seasons last, for me... I don't think the last episode is going to change your mind. I, I know it's not. That's why I'm so devastated for you to say there's one more. I mean, the last episode is good, but, like, especially in the effects department. But, like, yeah. you're not... I, I know. That's why I'm so dis dis destroyed over this. Like, I thought there was three more to go, and I'm like, that's plenty of time for them to turn this whole thing around. Now, they went six, eight, eight. Uh... That hurts. That's that's plenty. It's still good. Like, like if you have Netflix, watch it. I wouldn't have watched 13 hours in one day. Uh, like, the first two seasons, I watched straight. Like, I, I watched all the episodes all at once. And now it's a week later. I still haven't finished eight episodes of this. I had, I had to struggle through season one and especially season two. Wow. This one I think you're an outlier them. on that, though. Uh, everyone I watched it with really liked it. I like it. I liked it better than the other seasons. I just seasons. think the bar was set way higher by the first two seasons. I don't think the bar was barely off the ground off the first two seasons. Like, I, I don't find the first two... I don't... I see Stranger Things has been one of the things wrong. I don't understand why everybody loves this show so much. Like, I, I like a lot of the characters. It's got a stellar cast. Like, the casting... It's like a J.J. Abrams movie. It's like, the cast is amazing. Do something with them. But see, you're um, definitely an outlier there. I mean, there's a reason why 40 million people watch season three. It's because they love the first two seasons. If the first two seasons were as bad as you say they are, there wouldn't be a third season. Well, I think, well, no, plenty of things that are bad last that long. Transformers got five fucking movies. Right, but, but like, no people watch this. It's like the most watched thing on Netflix. Yeah, well, most people watch Transformers 2 and 3, too, but they were god-awful movies, but they made a billion dollars. Watching them doesn't mean you liked it, but, like, they keep coming back. But also, I think, what was it, 18.5 million people finished the season uh, in the first few days. So about half of the people finished it. Yeah, because 40-some million watched it. 40 million watched it. 18-some million had finished it. So clearly other people don't have a lot of time or they're in the same boat you are and trying to get to the end of it. Um, but no, I, everyone I watched it, we were a group of like seven, seven or eight of us. Uh, everybody thought it was great. Um, my, only, my nitpick on it is uh, early, early on in the season when, I think the first episode actually, when Dustin comes home from camp because he's been at camp before the series starts. Yeah. Um, all the robots start walking through. You see it in the trailer, like all the robots start walking through his house. Uh, one of the robots is Ultra Magnus. Ultra Magnus did not come out for another year. Oh, really? After, after the setting. <laughs> uh, that, that, that was set in July 1985. Ultra yeah. Magnus came out in 1986. Uh, he also didn't roll on his own, but I do believe that Dustin is the type of person to modify his robot toys <laughs> yeah. to roll on their own. Or she could just be levitating them. Well, no, the, he, he's, it's got an extra like motor in the back of it that does not exist. In the I'm shocked toys. that you're caught on something like that and you haven't noticed how they shot the whole season. I did notice how they shot the whole season. It just doesn't bother me. Like, I don't know you, what you're talking you, about. I the soap opera thing. I, don't, I would not describe it as a soap opera thing. I would describe it as true to its source material, which is 1980s, like... Like sci-fi, like I mean, those things the are. The first not even two seasons were not shot that way, and it was really more about being cut that way. Well, the I mean, I don't, I don't know who edited this stuff, but I really didn't notice that in terms of a negative. If thing. you ever go back and watch it, you'll notice it. Now. I'm not going to notice it because I didn't. I noticed what I know what you're talking about in terms of like re ending on reaction shots, but I don't a don't associate that with soap operas, oh, and I b do. was not bothered by it in any way whatsoever. Like I don't I know hate, what to tell I you. I hate those shots. 
It reminds me of sitting watching Young and the Restless with my mom and cringing. I also think they nailed the setting for the first time ever. Like, it felt like stuff that actually happened in the 80s in this series, as opposed to sort of like this weird attempt to replicate the 80s that was really just sort of focused through having watched Goonies too many times. Uh, the mall culture thing, I think they nailed that. They nailed that, that absolutely. Um, yeah. Like, that all felt extremely true in a way. Oh, I that lived the other, it. It absolutely oh, yeah. was very in, in the other way, the other, and I think that's partly because the Duffer brothers, who were only, I think they were born in 83, they didn't live the earlier stuff from the previous seasons, but mall culture existed into well into the mid-90s, yeah. so they would have had first-hand They definitely nailed the stuff. whole mall thing. we gotta go, We got to move on, though. And 70 product deals. They what had 70-something uh, product placement. Oh, uh, like thing. the new because Coke of all, scene. Well, because of all, all the different uh, you know, mall stores and all yep. the They had s- over 70 It was funny seeing deals. all those old stores that oh, used to exist. Oh, it was great. Exist. Sam Goody. <laughs> it was great to see Sam Goody again. Orange Julius actually still exists, believe it or not. Orange Julius is still good. They got one up in the Glendale Galleria. It's good. <laughs> we got to move on. Uh, next from Twitter, Ian McGar. Some Instagram gamer girl is selling her bath water and it sold out for 30 quid. Discuss. <laughs> People buy anything. <laughs> they will. All I'm going to say is... I take that girl as basically satire, and I think she's doing a great job. All I can say is if I could sell my bathwater for 30 quid, I would sell it. (laughs) Next. That is a definite profit. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Next up from Sifted, from Derek D. Um, In the Wall Street Journal, when speaking about the PlayStation 5, a Sony exec said, Sony, quote, Sony sees Microsoft as its main competition, with Google a potential threat in the mid to long term as internet technology evolves. The Nintendo Switch is not really considered a major competitor because most of its owners are children with less disposable income to spend on games, end quote. Uh, I kind of agree. What about you guys? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, the Switch is not in the same market, essentially. Yeah. I I think it's hard for Nintendo fans to admit it, and I think it's been hard for Nintendo fans to admit that for a long time, Mm -hmm. but it is true. Like, the vast majority of people who buy Nintendo games are adults buying them for children. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the truth. Um, you can dispute it all you want. Like, I remember back during the N64 days, everybody called Nintendo games Kitty, and it bothered me, not because I was a Nintendo fan, but it bothered me because I could see entertainment for the whole family getting shoved into, like, this corner mm-hmm. and looked down upon. And I'm like, no, it shouldn't be that way because I remember when I was a kid, I needed these games to build me up to the point where I'm playing what I'm playing now. Like, this part of the market needs to be there. Um, but it is the truth. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I would say Nintendo games are more for all ages yeah. than for kids. But there's no denying the, you know, the skew of the demographic. and um, Or the, and the, just the, the fact p- that they don't have their own money. They right. have to rely on someone well, else to And also stuff. just like the fact that this def- you know, the power level makes a difference here. Like, modern games are not being released... On pa- on parity with Sony Sony system and Nintendo system. So what is what is Sony competing with? Yeah, nothing. Like there's no. They're aiming at different different levels. Like it's just not there. And yeah. one level isn't necessarily better than the other. But like, how would Sony compete with that? Why would it want? Why to? would it? Why like would it want to? Like I don't think anyone. Why buy- would it go to a market where like its dis- consumers don't have any money? Like despite what you might see in some of the nuttier forums out there. Uh, most people are not buying a Switch and then deciding that means they don't need a PlayStation 4. Right. Or let yeah. alone a PlayStation 5. Like, this is not... Yeah. It's not a war you're going to... It's not, a, not just, just a war you're not going to win. It's a war you wouldn't even know where to begin fighting. Like I can see where this would... release a Draw PSP the ire too. of Nintendo fans because to them, they probably feel like Nintendo is finally whooping Sony. 
and but, so, but Sony yet, doesn't care, right? And so when the fact that Sony doesn't care about that is right. like, wait a minute, we've waited twenty years for this, and you're telling me it doesn't matter. Well, Nintendo became successful because they decided to stop competing with the other two on their on their level. Yep, that's exactly. What, they found their own their own niche. They yep. found a, and and yeah, a niche can be real big. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, it can also be very profitable. So just. If you're a Nintendo, I'm not, Derek D, I'm not saying that you're a Nintendo fan, and this is why you asked this. It's a great question. But if you are a Nintendo fan and you're feeling salty over this, like... Well, he said he agrees. Oh, he... Yeah, he, he agrees, right. Yeah, that's a good point. With Wall Street Journal. Yeah. <laughs> he agrees with the Wall Street Journal. Um, but if... Look, if, if you're feeling that way about this, try to look on the positive side, which is Nintendo's in a position right now where people ask this question. Mm. Think about it. How long has it been since people even looked at Sony and Nintendo oh, yeah, I get what you're saying. and considered Nintendo as even a competitor with Sony? Like, well, it, hasn't, it hasn't happened in, like, 20 years. Well, it's been... I mean, GameCube was pretty much it. Because when the Wii... I mean, Nintendo kind of created that space themselves when they launched... When the Wii became the hit. Right. And Nintendo themselves... You know, Reggie would constantly give interviews where he's like, oh, that, you know, what about the... You know, they'd be like, what about the PlayStation 3? And they're like, oh, well, we're not really looking at He would at say that. that. You're right. Yeah. He would say that they're not our competitor. Yeah. Yeah. So Nintendo has said that... Sony's not really competing with them. So just enjoy Nintendo's success and screw the haters. That's mm -hmm. what I say. Uh, last question from Mike's Q. Why is the summer break so neglected by game publishers? It's notorious for being a drought. Is there a business reason for it, or is it just vacation? What is your favorite repeat game? When you need to, a comfort food game, why do you snack on? Um, I mean, I think that the, the so-called conventional wisdom is that families go on vacation... Uh, they go off and do outside things, and that like you know your your bigger market is going to be in the colder months when people are inside, inside. playing yeah. stuff. It's, yeah, it's just simple logic, really. And don't give me no switch crap on that. <laughs> like, no, take your switch to the pool all you want, but no, most people aren't going to do that. <laughs> yeah, there's nowhere in a bathing suit you can put a switch. <laughs> Too big. Yeah, I agree with you. Like it's uh, I don't know. I mean, it bugs me too that there's nothing coming out, but it's like. It makes sense. It's not like the game developers on vacation. They're all still working. Yeah. The, the vacation element is people aren't around to play indoor things yeah. as much. So you want to basically hold off on the big guns. Yeah, and there aren't that many. Look, there's lots of stories of games doing great release. Nintendo's Inc. still got a pretty solid schedule all, all through. Yeah, because Fire Emblem was coming. The Fire too. Emblem, we got, yeah, uh, yeah there's, there's real stuff coming from Nintendo. Yep. But, if I mean, if you look, like... The first quarter of this year, games did great. But I cannot recall too many games that have sold really well in the summer. No, I mean, Spring, late August sure, is about your cutoff. That, that's the cutoff. So, I, in this case, like, we always complain, like, there should be more games released in Q1. We've never really argued there should be more games released in the summertime. Because we don't really no. have any evidence to I mean, point that it would be I mean, a good the, idea. I mean, the only people that that's really would, have, would be helping are people trying to make weekly shows about video like games. Us. Like us. That, that even the, us. Even we have yeah. not been like, we need more games in summertime. And that was the problem back in you know, the X-Play days. was like, okay, we'd have that meeting after, after E3. Like, what are we going to do for three months? Like, and that's when you start, actually, that's when we got really creative, yeah. usually, and started putting out some of the best episodes X-Play ever did. Yeah, that's so. when they made the mistake of letting me go to the desert and blow up gasoline <laughs> bombs for, <laughs> yeah. for a week. Yep. Uh, so maybe this is an opportunity for you guys to get out. Go okay. play some Harry Potter, Potter Wizards yeah, Unite. <laughs> yeah, go play some Mario Maker in the sun. See, yeah. see, see if you can get a Wi-Fi connection somewhere. I mean, the good news is you can take us with you. You just take the podcast version of Game Face, and you can take us around as you do your thing, and we'll keep you connected to games while you get out and enjoy life a little bit. How about that? Or we'll just argue about Stranger Things for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we just added 30 minutes onto this show and about three hours under render time well, with our Stranger it was, Things. It was pretty short. 
Yeah, it was. We, it was only a two-hour show until somebody until. asked about somebody asked about movies and Stranger Things. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's it for Game Face. Uh, I'll be trying to get this out to you guys as soon as I can. There's a lot of post-production that's going to be done in this episode, uh, but I'll definitely get it out to you guys before I take off on Thursday morning. So. Like I said, got a studio coming. We got some big stuff in the works. We're really excited about it, and it's all coming up pretty soon. Everything's uh, coming up Millhouse. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see you late next week for another episode. Game Face is up and out.